It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down I was born. Welcome back to another edition of American Loser, guys. It's the podcast that puts the spotlight firmly on second place. Uh, where are we? Where else could we be, Dad? No, we couldn't be anywhere else other than a shared Eatontown, universe. Eatontown, New Jersey at a shared universe. Exactly. And uh, actually, we always say Mike and Ming take great care of us. And uh, they've actually sent a spy this week That's to ensure right. that we are being taken quality care of. Uh, joining us in studio, uh, young Master Zapsik. How are you, brother? I'm good. So, I'm good. See, it's like classic Zaps. Like he takes to podcasting like like a you know a fish to water. It's incredible. So, and your name's Daniel, right, dude? Yeah, yeah. All right, cool, man. So you're just learning the ins and outs here because we're gonna slowly squeeze the Kahuna out of the business. Yes. Of course. See, <laughs> fair I enough. I didn't think I would hate you yet, but now I don't like you. Really? Here goes your ride home. We got a heavy yeah, lane exactly. on <laughs> Yeah, I hope you have an Uber app on your phone, brother. But no, this is cool, man. I'm glad you're in here today. Uh, you know, your dad wanted to pick this show because he's often said it's the prestige show of the network. It's better than every other show. That's what he tells me to my face and never written anywhere, so no one else can hold it against them. But welcome to the show, buddy. You know anything about it or? It's called American Loser. There it is, baby. American Loser time, all right? So, you're off the hook. No pressure rest of the show, I promise you, man. But uh, behind the ones and twos, uh, the best podcast engineer I've ever worked with, the big kahuna. How are you, buddy? I'm good, man. It's always a pleasure to be here. How you doing? I'm good, man. You had some adorable pictures of you and your old man up for Father's oh, Day. Oh, so thank that you. That was heartwarming stuff, buddy. Yeah. And it was, slowly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was It was cool. I love those. Per- I love those photos that I posted, too. The ladies do, too. They're like, oh, you're a cute baby. (laughs) A little kahuna. A little kahuna making things happen, man. And, of course, uh, my Delph of a dad is here. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Um, If you guys don't know about the show, we cover the weird loser topics in American history. Uh, And what we like to do on some of our more fun episodes is bring in one of my comedy buddies I get to work with. Known this guy about six years. Uh, honestly, don't care for him. Um, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> yeah. No, my father's busting my chops before the episode. That everybody's one of my best friends. I do have a lot of best friends. I'm a loving person. All right. I'm sorry you raised me to be emotionally well, responsible. Sorry. I thought I was your best friend. <laughs> yeah, really? That's what you said yesterday. No, Daniel Zapsik's my best friend. Let's be clear. About this. <laughs> but uh, the uh, the multi talented uh, improv comedy. Uh, you know, he does a little bit of everything. Also, quality plumber guys. If you need anything, yeah. handyman work is on the rise. Right, Joe. How are you, buddy? I'm good. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it, man. This is good. Six no years other of guests. best friendship. I love it. <laughs> right. Immediate just, best friend six years ago. You see how that falls into categories, right? Like, what's your favorite baseball movie? I'm like his one of his favorite comedy friends. Right. I see how it goes. <laughs> no other guests could cancel on us three times the day of and still get invited back, Joe. That's how talented Bro, I you are. I appreciate it. You know I love you. I'm holding on to your cape and your uh, your coat strings to bring me along. But uh, I'm thankful to be here. There were all injuries and all all real legitimate reasons I couldn't be here. You get hurt funny. I'll yeah, be honest. He had some you get hurt I get, funny. I get hurt. <laughs> I, I, everything I do is like Wiley Coyote, brother. <laughs> I don't just get hurt. I do it with. You got to uh, get that pizzazz. refund from Acme, right. man. And yes. those who those yeah. who don't know, just one piece of inside baseball before we dive into this week's topic is um, uh, my my infamous uh, tearing of my ACL 
Mr. Joe Carney uh, played a, uh, a, an innocent hand in. It was not his fault. No. I was lifting him up in the air in a VIP section at an 80s themed nightclub in Atlantic City. My best friend was lifting me up at an <laughs> 80s themed nightclub. Why are you making him sound like that? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, I went to lift him up and I was wearing Vans slip-ons, right? And uh, I slipped because the floor was greasy because Atlantic yeah, City right. is a trash right. We'll blame the Vans. The first time I fell, I fell. And then I got angry because everybody laughed at me. So I got up and I said, that's it. He's going up again. <laughs> so I picked him up the second time and I put more into it. And you just heard a pop, pop sound. Yeah. And when your knee is supposed to go north, south, mine went east, west. Yeah. And uh, I didn't I, spill one drop of my drink. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I was uh, so proud of myself. He laid there like a pretzel. And I was like, wow, man. And, Vodka and tonic. Because my, my friends are good friends they put me on the couch in the vip section and made me stay at the party for another hour and a half before i finally started to walk my way out and then went down to the point where i was wheelchaired across the dance floor and uh kevin garifo put on sunglasses and pretended he didn't see me like peter and jesus <laughs> uh, he left you like christ left oh, Jesus. Three times. <laughs> yeah. before the cock even crowed the um <laughs> The uh, the funniest part of that whole thing, I know you wanted to just make a brief detour, was no, the, uh, the the older ladies who took uh, who took uh, a liking to you on their uh, I think they were in their late sixties, maybe. Oh yeah, there was yeah, people taking photos of uh, yeah. Either trapped me or passed out me because yeah. I they thought I, you were a prop. I yeah. put some, well, I put some time in drinking that day, so we'll put it that way. It looked like the worst bachelorette party in the history of uh, <laughs> bachelorette parties, right? It sure was. It's it like was, you were the stripper. <laughs> yeah, somehow I was uh, Anna Nicole Smith, and uh, and they were uh, my billionaire husband. <laughs> oh my god! So, um, what an analogy. <laughs> we shit that one out pretty quick. But, that was good. Um, anyway, uh, as you guys know, uh, real quick. Quickly, just a quick plug as we're going into our this week's topic, which will not be the marathon episode that was Orson Welles. Uh, people who got through the whole episode said they absolutely loved it. Is Stu okay? If you got, yeah, Stu yeah, lived. Really, Stu lived. lived. Um, we got okay. a guy that works out on the elliptical while he listens to the show, and we did two and a half hours last week. And we were just like, we might have killed Stu. <laughs> <laughs> so, two and a half hours yeah. on Orson Welles? That covers a lot of ground. Yeah, Dude, it, was it, it does, yeah. yeah Water worlds and everything, yeah. Okay. He was a big topic, and that's not a fat joke. Um, but he was a fascinating guy. Uh, so check that episode out if you can. Uh, and as you know, at the end of the month here, uh, you still have time to sign up for just $5, which Joe Carney came in drinking a uh, cold brew coffee, was it, from yes. Dunkin' Donuts? Yes. About $5 for that, right? Uh, $4.09, yep. See? So if you wanted to round up incorrectly, um, then that would be the price of one uh, bonus episode. <laughs> bonus Every month episode. we give you a bonus episode on Patreon yeah. that is Patreon exclusive. So. For just five bucks a month, uh, you go ahead and support the show. That covers our studio time here that keeps the Tuesday episodes free. So we appreciate that very much. And uh, if you guys want, if you can't afford that, I totally understand. Leave us a written review over on iTunes or something. That's good shit over there. So, all right, Daniel, you ready to do this thing, brother? Yeah. Yeah, man. All right. Your first audience. Yeah, we got an audience yeah, here. Yeah, live studio audience. <laughs> yeah, I want to see how that goes. How's he sounding on his mic? Does he have to bring it closer? He's, he's it? good. A all right, closer cool, man. Would help, but We're not right. going to pick on you too much at all, brother. I promise. But uh, do that today. Going... I promise you that. <laughs> he's, he's here <laughs> to learn. All right. <laughs> He's got to learn the kahuna trade. But uh, for regular fans of the show, Dad, we have covered some bad generals in the past, have we not? We certainly have. We certainly have. We've covered a couple of revolutionary uh, scumbags, losers. <laughs> You're well right too. back in that era. Again. Oh, man, did we find a good. This was you. I had no clue this guy existed before my father just reaches out to him and he goes, hey, let's check out. Uh, the guy's name is Charles Lee. And I said, uh, I said, oh, uh, that's uh, Robert E. Lee's father, right? Light horse something. And he goes, no, no, different Lee. Mm -hmm. So uh, 
that's how when you think about it, because there, there was a I saw a painting not too long ago called Washington and his generals. And it's this awesome, beautiful painting. And it's Washington in the center and all the generals are looking in on him. Mm -hmm. And if you knew the backstory of each one, it almost has a Last Supper feel. Because Washington, for what he pulled off with the piece of shit generals he had. Right. So, I mean, right. You know about Wilkinson, right, Kahuna? You remember him? Yeah. Yep. The guy was the biggest scum. He was literally uh, playing every side all yeah. at the same time. So he's a total <laughs> scumbag. Um, they found him. I think he had Spanish doubloons like in his pocket when they captured him. Sometimes he was he was like Vic Mackey from the Shield, uh, just completely oh. abusing the badge. Oh yeah, good analogy. It's loaded. Yeah, with he man. was. Uh, <laughs> I did notice when I did my backstory and, and read up on it, so I didn't look foolish when I came in. Was uh, I felt like everybody was thumbing for this man's job. Everybody was like, "Oh, there's George. Yep, <laughs> there's George." It's yeah. like they saluted with one hand and gave him the finger with the other. <laughs> right. It really yeah. was. It really was. Yeah. yeah. Now he, he's Father Washington now because we remember him so fondly for all the other stuff he did. Part of uh, Washington's personality traits. Did you figure this out, Dad? That he, what he prided himself on in terms of how little he would speak. Yeah, he was uh, very conservative in his words, kind of a thing, and then you know was not bombastic with uh, all his thoughts and polit either political or, or strategic. That uh, he was willing to listen to what the other guys had to say, and then finally making the, the final decision. But Washington was Washington yeah, was quiet yeah. guy. Um, but but because he was quiet talk with all that wooden teeth in his fucking head, uh, like I'm saying, he wouldn't talk. He wouldn't talk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably freaking hurt every time he opened his mouth. Well, that or the potential for a fire. Um, but <laughs> yeah, Washington the, uh, had a habit of saying like as little as possible to to get by. I guess that was <laughs> people weren't going to be jumping on him. But but fun thing about George: George was born in America, and uh, that one fact is a massive uh, reason why he wound up being the, the hero that he is. And we almost wound up with this guy as our father figure in the nation. And I'm quite glad we didn't go that route. <laughs> yeah. um, welcome to the episode on uh, this week's loser. General Charles Lee. Okay. So, uh, LP, you did some good research here. Joe, I know you know some stuff too. Kahuna, Dan, you guys have questions. You jump in anytime, man. All right. This is, this is jokes and storytelling. It just happens to be about history. No, awesome. Kahuna just brought up the, the image he of did. Washington. Oh, there that is general. very uh, Last Supper. Yeah. So now, when you look at that photo in the right hand side, and I'll post this up on the Instagram, um, on the right hand side, right underneath the American flag, there's one general. Every other general in this room is looking in on Washington. That one that's one looking away? Looking out the window away. Yeah. I have a suspicion that that's either Benedict Arnold or could be today's topic, Charles Lee. I'm waiting to confirm that. Or Judas. So, depending yeah. on your <laughs> historical take on that. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, Benedict Arnold, Judas, those two are could kind of. Could just be uh, the housekeeper opening the shades. That's no? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're going kind of deep, but if you look at him, he might be, excuse me, guys, one second, let a little sunshine in. Can't see George's face. It's like that Mel Brooks thing at the end of History of the World. <laughs> Jesus. Yes. What? Nothing. Jesus. What? Try to malt wine. <laughs> oh, man. Well, one check or we separate check? You'd think that would be the move, right? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, but so uh, good old Charles Lee, the topic we're going to cover today, who may or may not be the guy uh, aforementioned in the painting, uh, but certainly a scumbag in his own right. Born in 1732 in England. And that becomes a huge, huge thing here. Right. He's Lee, English born. Yeah. He is the son of a British major general. 
meaning that you typically had a pretty well-off family. So, uh, Kahuna, we've talked about it before. I was, I did uh, six years in the Navy. I was enlisted. Um, you had to, quote, earn your rank on stuff. So I went in as an E3 because I was an Eagle Scout, right? So that was my my little move I had. I got paid more than everybody else in boot camp. Yeah, you that immediately got a bump just because of your uh, right. Eagle Scout status. Right, that was a prestige thing. So if you want to put the time in and get called gay all the time, like I did for being <laughs> in the Boy Scouts, then you get to have a little bit more money in boot camp over the guys who are trying to, you know, uh, be gangbangers and stuff. So anyway. Um, Not related. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that being said, we're trying to lay that groundwork here. So now imagine you're in officer country. So that's like people with commissions and stuff like that. In the British Army around this time, you were able to buy promotions to a degree. OK, now you're not allowed to do that anymore. Now what winds up happening is you have to you have to buy something else that allows you to become a commissioned officer, which is a college degree. So if you're willing to drop whatever you know, amount of money it is to go into college, get a college degree, you can go right into becoming a commissioned officer in the military. Yeah, you can purchase your commission. So depending on how much money you wanted to spend could determine how uh, higher rank you could get. So it's almost like in my world where you can buy your book if you're not a union member, like I'm a union plumber. But if you want to get in, you can buy your book. And next thing you know, someone who bought their union book is on the same level as me, right. who put in 20 years and five years of training. You know? Oh, okay. so that's how I'm. That doesn't that's how I'm it, processing what you're saying. Right, right. Interesting. Yeah. Right. I like that. Now, you don't have a problem with that, though, do you, Joe? I mean, no. Nope, judging from your tone, it, no. Once you're in a union, you're my brother. No, once you, no. I don't. I, I, I don't. Some guys do, but it, it's just how I'm seeing how the deception in the rank and file could happen, where people who are, you know, this guy turned out to be a piece of shit, right? Yeah. Well, he also he thinks he's a little bit better than a lot of other right, people. Yeah. Sometimes he's right, sometimes he's wrong. And I, I, we actually might play around with that uh, analogy just used here in a second, too, because this guy's interesting. So this is the old world here. And uh, how cool would it be if you could um, kind of take uh, he's coming from money in England, right? And he's got a pretty decent life there. But there's this idea going on, because keep in mind, he's born in 1732. That means the, quote, new world already settled. There's British interests over there. There's French interests over there. There's Spanish interests down south in Florida and stuff. So there's this appeal of you have money in the current world, but you could make a shitload more in the new world, right? right. That's got to be an interesting appeal. Right. You know, imagine getting out of Dumont, Dad. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But only, uh, unfortunately, uh, my Dumont upbringing did not have the financial backing to, I don't think the, uh, that, to uh, advancement. That frame of mind has changed in 300 some odd years. I don't think the new world is still the place where people want to come succeed with the dream. Uh, exactly. And then, uh, again, other options of the new world is like, yeah, we have a successful store, but why don't we have an online store? It's even something as simple as that. Yep. Uh, so this guy gets around a lot, though. He's an interesting cat. Uh, Charles Lee comes from a wealthy family. His father is a major general, like we said, in the British Army. And uh, he actually is because of that, he's able to afford some higher education. Right. So yeah, well, let me just stop you here a minute because his dad was a major general, but his dad didn't start out as a major general because his dad initially purchased his commission. It's a pay to play, it, baby. Right. Um, and there's a number of different things within the British Army at the time that you could buy your commission if you're coming from money. And that led to a whole like uh, social divide too that officers typically had money because they wouldn't have been able to get there if they didn't have money to begin with. Where the enlisted, you could you could rise through the ranks as an enlisted person, but um, uh, it was a little more difficult. And to to raise your rank, you either had to do it by um, your your ability, right, or to buy it. Um, and it also had to do in, uh, 
a number of years in service. So if there was a, an opening, let's say, for a higher position, it would go to merit. It could go to somebody who bought it or it could be years in service that if there's two guys at the same rank that are now looking to be promoted, how many years in service did you have? So a very common technique was to get your kid to enlist into the army as early as possible. Charles Lee joined the army technically as a 12 year old. <laughs> so, and that was because he was now serving with D Daniel. With how his, old are you, real quick, just for with his dad? Fourteen. Fourteen. All right. So I you, sh you're, yeah. my two years. You should have been in two years already. All right. <laughs> so, well, I mean, wild to think about. That's all. Yeah, Charles. Charles Lee is now joining the army as a twelve-year-old with his father, who was a colonel in the fifty-fourth. Uh, 55th regiment of foot so he's already he's he's on daddy's side it's almost like take your kid to school take your school kid. to work it's a summer job yeah, right. don't leave out the part where he did get some schooling in switzerland too and he's a smart kid he's not a it's not all just daddy's money here the kid is also fluent in uh french greek um a couple other languages as well i mean he was a smart he was educated in switzerland which you know, so like, he could sell information to whoever he wanted because he could speak to them. It's uh, imagine that that what, the power yeah. of a language, uh, what that could be back then. I mean, uh, it, it's powerful right now, but then that's like having the internet; and no one else is allowed to. Yeah, he was an intelligent guy. I mean, the research that I found said that he was proficient in six different languages. So I mean, he's he's no dope. That, Can I ask you a question? I, I, <clears throat> I struggle with English. But. The um, <laughs> so is there a time frame that they have to be in before they can purchase the commission of a higher rank? Like, um, can a twelve-year-old with daddy's money theoretically become a major? You know, if daddy throws enough money at it, that is I'm that? not certain of. But I think they have to have some experience. Merit before, and experience. Right, right. Yeah. A lot um, of this too yeah. was for them wanting to have. There's a little bit. It's not a perfect comparison, but for the sake of the podcast, it'll work. Um, that knights. So back then you had a knight who was, you could have a squire kind of a thing. And then maybe you'd be related. It'd be your nephew or something like that would be your squire. Mm -hmm. um, so if you treat the British officers, the higher ranking ones as knights, then these guys, it's, it's like an officer class. It's a, it's a chivalry class kind of a thing. Right. So I'm sure there's going to be time and rank. You got to put your time in as a squire before you can be thought of for knighthood, that kind of a thing. So, so right now, Paul question. McCartney and Sir Elton John <laughs> would be on the. <laughs> right. <laughs> I could answer to them on the battlefield. Dude, just picture them with lances coming at each other and not Lance Bass. I was just going to say, <laughs> bye, bye, bye. <laughs> just add some Wrong sword. Lance. Wrong Lance. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Now, we're complimenting young Charles to start with here because he's around 12 years old, like you said, Dad. Uh, I, another one had him at age 15 when he took his first commission. So at age 12, he's probably hanging out in camps, being around. Being age, next to Daddy. Yeah, in, in at the, age uh, 15, he's a commissioned officer, receives the rank of ensign, right? Which is, I mean, you don't want to be an ensign for long. That's not great. That's like when I was in the military and they called me a seaman, right? That's You want to get rid of that as fast as possible. So, And that was while you were in the service. Yeah, very, very quick to uh, earn my promotion to third class petty officer, which was much easier to say out loud. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, so at age 15, his father, Major General John Lee, purchases this commission uh, as an ensign for his son in the very same unit he commanded. Like you said, Dad, bring your kid to work day. Right. Um, and they got that pay-to-play thing going on here. Um, you can't really buy a position, but sometimes, uh, like today, you can't buy a, a position, but you can buy things that qualify you for, like we said. So, in instance, your book mm -hmm. for the plumbing uh, or having a college degree qualifies mm -hmm. you to be an officer. Uh, 
Young Charles Lee is now a young officer on his way to his first duty station, which is, uh, I'm going to assume uh, young Master Zapsik is uh, familiar with this too, but everyone in this tale, are you Irish at all, Dan? Yeah. You are? All right. Literally everyone, at least some percentage of everyone in this room right now is partly from Why'd Ireland. Why'd you look at me like that? Uh, Irish. Because you <laughs> makes me laugh the most. I, I will not say your real name to prove why it's funny. All right? <laughs> but... Um, so, yeah, uh, we all have a, a, a weird fondness for that strange little rock floating out there in the uh, Atlantic. We do. Um, so he's uh, he's over in Ireland now, which, as we know, the British and the Irish get along fantastically. And there's never been any animosity. <laughs> no, ne- no, no, none never, whatsoever. Never. Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Um, nope. But also, I actually had a friend of mine explain to me recently that uh, northern England, if you consider the, the you know, he's from the UK mm-hmm. and he says that Northern England is kind of considered like uh, the American South in terms of country and kind of it's a, a blue collar type place. So people from Manchester, that's kind of like I don't want to say it's their Atlanta, but it's that kind of a thing where there's a, the the divide is in the opposite fashion over there. And our boy is from Northern England. My uh, my daughter's boyfriend is uh from Ireland, he's from Dublin, and he's on the uh, U.S. Uh, the Irish national team, and he, and he plays uh, golf for college here. And he said it's still up in uh, your daughter's in, dating Patrick Harrington. My, that's his, <laughs> that's who we grew up with. <laughs> the family, yeah. So wow. uh, it, it's it, because of where we are, I guess you don't realize that that animosity and everything still. You know, when he goes up north and plays golf up there, he said, you know. They, they know by the plates where he's from and, you know, he'll get stuff on his car, scratches, dents, whatever. So there's still animosity still to this too. day, bro. Yeah. Well, and, and you once told me that going into driving into Belfast from uh, the, the Republic of Ireland, that it was uh, a little bit more serious than TSA. Is that fair? Oh, yeah. Say yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Back in the time, too, that if you were to go rent a car in the Republic, you were you had to sign waivers that you would not take the vehicle oh. into Northern Ireland. Of course, there was a little different political back atmosphere back then, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Well, uh, he, he doesn't spend too, too much time over in Ireland. Unfortunately, his father passes away uh, within a few years. And by 1754, uh, again, his father's passed away. Charles is now able to purchase himself Right. A lieutenant's commission. So military pay is good, man. There's a reason why all these lords and whatnot go to try to make their uh, their their worldly estates via the military. Yeah, when you went to sell your commission too, because you were, were allowed to do I that. I didn't just, think of that. I know I'm I'm going to retire next month. So uh, hey, anybody want to be a, a major? Because I'm a major. I'm going to retire now. That was used as their retirement fund. Kahuna, uh, use this as a bargaining it. chip when Daniel eventually takes your job. You right. Stop it. You move on to senior audio engineer. See, it's going to work out good for you Up guys. Up the ranks, absolutely. Um, but yeah, that that was considered. Uh, you know, a, a standard retirement plan. And of course, to sell your commission, you could buy a commission from the government, let's say, or from the army. But when you went to sell it, there was under the table dealings kind of a thing that typically this would cost you X amount of dollars, but it's going to go to the highest bidder that they would actually have auctions as to who is going to be the next uh, the next officer to hold that rank. And you know, it was um, depending on what unit you were coming from that, that, hey, that's a really good unit. I want to get in with them. So uh, my officer's rank is worth more for that particular unit than it would be for a, 
somebody else because you know they're a bunch of dirtbags. Thank God, politics there. and money don't go hand in hand anymore. <laughs> no, 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 thank no, God. No, 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 thank no, God, we got over that. One. Yeah, we, we eliminated that. <laughs> we eliminated Absolutely. That. For, Absolutely. Uh, and, and again, hop in with stuff that we want to miss Natty, but for the sake of because uh, if you look at this like a movie, which Kahuna will at the end for a good casting couch here, um, we thought about this. And uh, if you would have this opening scene in his movie where we explained everything we've just told you about. Daddy's in the military. He's a smart kid. You could do all this backstory. Now, the opening credits uh, of the movie would be the, the you know, executive producer, you know, Big Kahuna and all these mm-hmm. other big names popping up as we're telling this real quick part of the story. I don't want to get lost here too long because right. the Move meat of the story, you know Not exactly yet. where the meat of the story is. It hasn't even hit yet. Um, it's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now young Charles is uh, he's over in Ireland, but then uh, he winds up getting this lieutenant's commission. He now winds up uh, fighting a war known as the Seven Years War in as it's referred to in England, because there was multiple fronts for that or in North America, what is known as the French and Indian War. OK, same war, depending on what book Different you're reading. Theater, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is 1754. And he he and his entire regiment is now sent to North America to fight uh, the, what in North America became known as the French and Indian War. The rest of the world is calling it the Seven Years War. And there's are quite a few people that would consider this as to be the actual first world war because there's fighting going all over the place in Portugal and Spain and in the on the continent. And, and old now Chucky in North Lee America. gets involved in a little bit of all of it. Yeah. So <laughs> Charles Lee uh, comes to the shores of America here and uh, he's now uh, fighting the French because the French are aligning themselves with the Native Americans who were trying to repulse the British colonists from invading their areas, especially in the Ohio Valley. So you want me to continue or do you want to go from there? Well, let me say what I got and then you tell right. me what I missed. How about that? That's sure. usually how this podcast I'm just waiting for to see when uh, this one, when the French surrender, because you know it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> this, is back, this is back when the French were like absolute badasses too. Yeah. Napoleon, right? Uh, no, Napoleon's well, a little later. Yeah, this, but, this yeah. before, but it, it's uh, they, they really say that idea of pacifism uh, with um, the French comes from the, the absolute brutality they experienced in World War One. And don't get me wrong, the jokes are funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the French. Um, we also covered on the show too. Never ever mess with the French Foreign Legion. No, I know that. All right, Jean Claude Van Damme. He yeah. did a lot of things. <laughs> right. I yes. watched every one of his biographies. Yep. He's not a guy. They can all split with. like that. <laughs> Um, so he winds up. Uh, th- this is where it's interesting. You've got French and English soldiers fighting. Imagine you're from you're a colonist and you've left England. Right. And now you got to worry about the f- tribes you're friendly with and then the tribes that you're scared of. Right. Now, the French and in- you know, French and uh, English soldiers are coming over here and arming the tribes with the modern weapons. And now you got to worry about, well, which tribe has which guns do I need to, does my friendly tribe, do I, do I really need to deal with them anymore if they don't have guns? Cause maybe I should become friends with the Iroquois, you know, it's pretty intense over there. Um, and these English and French soldiers are also fighting within themselves. And they're telling you, you have a duty to a country that potentially you've never even seen before. before. So that's a wild one too. Uh, Lee serves under uh, major general Braddock, Braddock would be a microcosm loser. I'm going to call him real quick. Yeah. He's a man who is oddly most fondly remembered for disasters that happened to him. Yeah. Um, rumors about Braddock included that he died in the arms of a young army officer named George Washington and gave Washington his sash to wear. And uh, Washington kept the sash his whole life, pretty much. And it's still on display in a museum, I think. 
And another one was that his giant massacre, which is known as Braddock's Expedition, where he had a very unfortunate incident in the Ohio River Valley. Right. Um, he uh, ignored advice from a guy by the name of Ben Franklin. All right. So we have a couple things we like to say on the show. One, don't fuck with TR, which mm-hmm. we'll avoid the, the current news headlines about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll cover that on another episode. Uh, so don't fuck with TR. and uh, uh, Don't fuck with the French Legion. Well, yeah. Uh, don't mess with the French Foreign Legion. And always listen to Ben Franklin. All right. <laughs> he may have syphilis, but he's got good points. You know, I feel like I'm in the Princess Bride right now where you're describing it. And never mess with an Italian when life is on the line. <laughs> Especially a Sicilian. Cahoon is about to invite you on every week now, just based off of that reference. I do not think you know what that means. You know what Inconceivable. <laughs> but, uh, I think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> when, um, when this incident happens with Braddock now, too, which is worth noting here, uh, you want to talk about a, a guy that we almost... I can't tell if this is sarcastic or if this was meant to be an honor, but uh, one of the, the scenes of his biggest uh, defeats is now known as the Battle at Braddock's Field, right? So they named the field after him where he got his ass kicked, where it's like, like, ah, oh, that's where all, that's where all Burke got the shit kicked out of him by Casey. <laughs> we call it, call Burke getting the shit kicked out of him rock. That's what we're calling it. It's like Lou Gehrig. How do you not see that coming, right? Yeah, right. It's named after him. Right. <laughs> so it's very interesting because uh, Washington uh, fought with him in certain things, and then now Charles Lee is fighting under him. Uh, at this Battle of Braddock's Field, right? Yeah, now Washington is is there, though, but he is uh, uh, one of the commissioned officers or one of the officers um, for the colonial militia. So Washington is really leading the American militia, who is still British at this point. Right, because right? old Georgia and was Braddock born in the, the is a full, full-time military guy from the British Army. So we got the British Army and the colonial British militia now going out to this Ohio Valley to beat back the French because the French are getting a little too frisky. And it's a very valuable area out there. Uh, Braddock gets the shit kicked out of him because he didn't follow advice that, you know, here in North America, we fight a little differently than we do on the continent. And we're not lining up guys across the field and shooting at one another. You know, very the, swamp foxes, right? They had the Indian, more of a guerrilla warfare. Right. right? The Indians are, are hiding natives. behind the trees yeah. and and mm-hmm. and. To get out to this Ohio River Valley, um, out to the to the fort that they were trying to capture, um, single road, or they actually had to create the road, and then the Indian, you know, so they're long, strung out column, and the Indians are are not going to meet you on a playing field you know, across the across the uh, big uh, cleared field. They're they're hiding behind trees and everything else. Braddock's um, forces get annihilated, get really wiped out. Braddock himself is killed. He dies in the arms of Washington, who try to tell him, hey, you know, things are a little different here in North America. We've been fighting these Indians for years now. That's one of the reasons why we're going out there to try to put this whole thing down. But uh, that battle sash that you mentioned, uh, Braddock takes his, you know, bloodstained battle sash from off himself and, and gives it to Washington, who Braddock then dies in Washington's arms. A lot of the other you know, Braddock's officers, final words, Rosebud. <laughs> <laughs> That's ironic. Is that why they put it in the movie? That's a- <laughs> yeah. But another, another, um, a lot of people are coming into play on this whole uh, battle with Braddock. Um, a lot of players are, are meeting one another, if you will, that are going to have uh, re-meet later on. Uh, Thomas Gage, uh, 
uh, Gage is a British Army officer who we'll later see at the Battle of Lexington and Concord. Um, Horatio Gates, he's uh, part of this hallway thing, too. And we're going to see him later on in the Revolutionary War with um, uh, the Battle of Saratoga. Yeah, the, the same way that uh, the war with Mexico is a primer for all the Civil War generals to know each other, it's the same way for the, the same French Indian Exactly. Yeah. Daniel Morgan, who's another big revolutionary guy, uh, Sir John St. Clair. I mean, a lot of these guys knew one another, or at least knew of one another from fighting with Braddock going to fight the French and Indians out on the the Ohio Valley. So. And you want to talk about, I mean, there's there's a lot of names in there, too. An important name that uh, is not a, a person, but a linchpin for both the French and Indian Wars and for the American Revolution is good old Fort Ticonderoga. Talk about summer vacations in the 90s, Larry Burke, huh? Yeah, you're welcome, huh? Kev. You're welcome. That one changed my life. They fired a cannon there, and I was like, this is what I'm doing with my life. You know? <laughs> I'm going to go you're back gonna go to on my vacation. time capsule. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> It was uh, I, I, that was just a mesmerizing thing. Like I, I can't tell nice. you how many opportunities to be a normal kid I lost out on because of this <laughs> per- like absurd obsession with history. Because uh, it, it just it, it was just your thing. I don't think it's absurd. I don't think it's absurd either. I really you don't. guys don't. But the, the, you, I can't tell you how many cute girls rolled their eyes because I couldn't shut up in social studies class. Yeah, but this was that was back in the day. Now it's that type of stuff is like an interesting conversation. Now yes. once or twice it's gotten me laid. Um, <laughs> one time I got told I look <laughs> yeah, like. But Ted. they were in the Revolutionary exactly. War. <laughs> he remembers and I love him. <laughs> when that poor young man hurt his hurt his. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, That's the boy. I walked out of that that eighties theme nightclub no. looking like the spirit of seventy six. Natty bumper car played a flute in front of me. He was all pissed because he thought it was an eighteen eighties nightclub. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the fife and drum? Uh, Fort Ticonderoga, baby. That's where we're at on this one. So there's an assault on Fort Ticonderoga, and uh, obviously, if you listen to our episode on Benedict Arnold, you guys know the story of that in the American Revolution. Hugely important place, uh, vital to the cause. But Lee is wounded during his attack, uh, the assault on uh, this, uh, during the French and Indian War on that very same fort. And when he gets injured, where would you want to rehab from a injury you received in battle, Joe my, Carney? My mom's house, probably. That's a good one. Probably that is a good one. Um, he got sent to Long Island. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, but soon, it might have been the summertime. As soon as you said that, all I thought of was Jägermeister. <laughs> <laughs> Jägermeister. Um, yeah, that's where they sent him to rehabilitate. We're talking weekends in the Hamptons, seafood, Billy Joel music, Jewish girls, whole nine yards, anything you want out there. Um, Back but, then. But, yes, to be accurate, uh, Lee was uh, – this is interesting, by the way. Side note, he's already technically married around this time, right, Dad? Yeah, when he came over to North America, he was a single guy, but, um, again – It was the British uh, kind of thing to tie in with uh, some of the native tribes. And he actually marries the daughter of one of the, uh, um, I believe was a Mohegan. uh, Mohawk. uh, Yeah. Yeah. That would be Mohegan. Technically married. Yeah. It's the the thing was that uh, in the church, keep in mind, England's Protestant at Mm -hmm. this time. Right. And uh, uh, England at this point in time is the Church Church of England. England. Correct. (laughs) Uh, That's why we became Quakers. Good old uh, good old Henry the eighth up there. Um, But uh, yeah. So the thing we always talk about on the show, too, is Protestants and Catholics. If you look at them as uh, Sunni Shiites, it makes more sense. Uh, It it can explain either. Not to the Irish. (laughs) Right. Well, they got a lot of the same habits sometimes, don't they? Um, (laughs) 
but he winds up marrying a, a Mohawk woman who is again uh, the the daughter of a chief. That's like yeah. a big thing. That's a, a arranged marriage. Chief White Thunder, if you really want to be White uh, Thunder. White oh, Thunder. Yeah. That's, uh, but was, uh, what's interesting is we fast. know the name of the dad, White Thunder, right? But we don't know her name. Uh, I couldn't find anything with the. Nobody seemed to know the name of the woman that he marries. Well, other than she throwing. was the daughter of White Thunder. <laughs> Did you know? Now he got a Mohawk name too, by the way, which yeah, I thought was interesting. The Mohawks gave him a. a Can I try, I'll try the pronunciation of it. Uh, Une Waterica, right? Which translates to boiling water. Yep. So. Now, this some guy. people think, oh, maybe that's because of his temperament that this guy was, you know, he. He's already got a history of uh, saying what he wants to say and, and smacking dis- people, smacking people, disrespecting uh, officers. Actually, uh, the Tony Soprano. Yeah, he's a, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. We've got um, a serious situation over here. We're supposed to be taking the field. Now I got to smack you. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of wrote. <laughs> yeah, he's he's um, he's a little. Uh, um, Grading with many of his uh, higher ups, and which is about else. to hilariously come back to bite him in the ass. Right. Um, but uh, you're right. He does marry the, the Mohawk woman. They call him that. I thought perhaps it was uh, boiling water because English people love tea. I was just trying to be polite to him there. But you guys want to talk about his temper. That's fine. Um, Your dad's analogy is much cooler. <laughs> <laughs> he turned into Michael Caine. <laughs> Michael Caine. I did it because I like tea. That, dude, that might be. I might ask for a Michael Caine voice for you for a couple of the weird quotes we have from Lee later. If you're, I got to tell it. you, right handed God. When I was reading last night and the night before, I was going over all this, and I saw where he was born and that he was squealing to. Well, I'm not giving away the you right, know, mm-hmm. but it was. I did it all in Michael Caine voice. <laughs> I've got something to tell you. <laughs> Well, uh, this one's uh, now that he's obviously been wounded, right? Uh, He's rehabbing over in Long Island. Uh, Lee goes and he's having uh, he has to have surgery and recuperation time. Now, I'm not we're going to back up my father's uh, the the Mohawks name for him, which the the Native American names. They're so great because it can be thought of as an insult. You know what I mean? So there's some pretty good ones here. Uh, So, again, the guy's got a raging temper. Um, What what do you do? When uh, a guy that you earlier rebuked and maybe smacked around a little bit, you know, and, and really got in their face and let them know, is now your doctor performing your surgery as you're wounded yeah. in battle. Yeah, the guy that you pissed off yeah. and the earlier doctor, is now. I'm not saying the doctor remembered it. I'm not saying the doctor remembered it, Dad, but when the doctor walks in the room and just starts beating the shit out of you while you're wounded, it's. Right. Does it hurt here? How about yeah. here? Does it hurt here? Does it hurt when you do this? Does it hurt when you do this? Well, don't do this. It was Stone Cold coming into Vince McMahon's <laughs> emergency room. <laughs> and just getting him in the bed. Right. So, yeah, that's a true thing. making him do puppet things. So stop smacking yourself. Stop smacking yourself. Stop smacking yourself. <laughs> Did I do that? No, I didn't. I didn't do that. So, he, uh, he made an impression on the young doctor. We'll put it that way. Wow. Um, so, Lee gets uh, roughed up. Uh, you know, it's a, he, he takes it out on the wounded Charles Lee. Lee does return to action, though. And uh, this part we're just going to not skip over, but we're going to just mention. Because uh, where is a soldier of fortune to go? After the war pretty much ends, because the French and Indian War in North America ends with the conquest of uh, Canada, right? So that pretty much ends over there. Now the soldier's fortunes at this time, all right, uh, he winds up going back over into Europe. Ready for a lose reception, Kahuna? 
oh, this one's good. All right. So the first place that he goes, he's got a good, legit resume. And he's sitting there. He goes, I'm a soldier of fortune, man. You know, and he's getting he's climbing up the ranks now. He takes a commission as a lieutenant colonel and fights in the Portuguese army that is fighting off the invading Spanish that are trying to take Portugal and Spain right next to each other. If you look at them on a map, yeah. it's, it's it's Jersey and New York. You know, it's pretty weird. Okay. So, and it's uh, actually still part of the seven year in the, on the continent. It's still known as the Seven Years War. So correct. he's, you know, the things, the hostilities aren't over yet. And there's all kinds of nations aligning with one another. The, the British are back in Portugal against the Spanish. The Spanish are now invading Portugal. So, Britain sends in troops and uh, our buddy Charles Lee is, is part of that and makes a big splash for himself uh, in there fighting off the Spanish. And now uh, he does a nice job over there. He's actually working with uh, other British generals. Uh, Burgoyne, I think, is one of the ones that uh, notices him. Um, and he's again, the, the, he keeps padding the resume here, winds up fighting. Uh, he's an aide de camp, which is like the right hand man of the king of Poland over in Poland now, known as uh, Stanislaus II, right? Hand of the king. Pretty much, yeah. Good, good reference. There you right? go. Hand of the king. Now, hand of the king. Interesting thing. You remember the name Stanislaus. I can see it already on your yeah, eyebrows. Yeah, that sounds... Yep. I guess a little guy over there who, after Stanislaus gets deposed, there's a thing called the Bar Confederacy, and a certain man named Kazimir Pulaski, as in the Skyway, all right, is fighting the war to try to preserve Poland. No, there was reception. Yep. Till he, New Jersey yes, is the center yes. of the universe. Ponce sweating. Till, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Till he gets kicked out of Poland what? and comes here and becomes American badass fighting in the American Revolution. So all these guys know each other, man. It is very Game of Thronesy. It's the perfect it reference. He went to it's the loser cinematic universe. <laughs> yeah, he went while to he's Portugal in... and then to Poland. Is that what you're telling me? Yep. So now he's. Uh, yeah, and that's, he where actually, the next, that's where the next fighting was going on. So he winds up fighting. Uh, uh, for technically for Russia, for I'm sorry, for Poland in the Russo-Turkish War, right? And that's them repelling the Turks out of uh, sections of what we is modern Russia too. By Poland the way. is Poland is repulsing the uh, the Turks, but while he's still uh, dealing with the Portuguese army against the Spanish invasion, he also serves um, and quite well under another British. Uh, General John Burgoyne, Gentleman Johnny Burgoyne, who we're going to meet later on <laughs> down the road, too. Uh, but he makes a big name for himself at the Battle of uh, Vila Vela uh, during that whole uh, Portuguese, Portuguese Spanish uh, situation. So, yeah, I mean, he's uh, he likes uh, to mix it up. There's no doubt about that. In, but, in I mean, more ways than one, as right, we're about right, to find out, too. Right. This is how my brain works. When you guys are telling me where he is and I have a voice in my head, <laughs> all I'm thinking about is listening to me, him ask for either Morodizio or Pavogis. <laughs> you got Rodizio. <laughs> Pavogis. That's what's in my head. Uh, probably a little sangria around here right. at the time. <laughs> Daniel, they didn't teach you shit like this no. in school, do they? It was they? a soccer hooligan in my head. <laughs> they didn't teach you nothing, did they? Not really. No. <laughs> this is my problem. No. I read everything. I never read my history textbooks because I knew everything already. That's not like a bragging thing. That was just, that's what I did to go to sleep at night. Is that true? And uh, Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't even there, and I know it's true. It's I, I read too much where to, to the point where sometimes teachers would say, you're being – like, I understand your passion, uh, Kevin, but you're being distracting to the – Right. Student. You're monopolizing the yeah. conversation. Was he like George McFly nerdy? Like, <laughs> yeah. like up in, well, it was just with history. Everything else, I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> when am I going to use math in my life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you went into the Navy? No, don't shoot it there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah. my, yeah. my measure was off. Couldn't do math, barely paid attention in science, but I could uh, I couldn't tell you anything you needed to know about the War of 1812. It was Rain Man-like. And one of his uh, high school credentials is to be uh, 
named as class clown. So I mean, it's you know, it's in the cards. It's well, in, now I know it's why we're best friends. That's it. <laughs> 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 well, one, the, my whole thing is that the point of the podcast is uh, your teachers are never going to teach you legitimate history. They don't have the time nor the resources. And a lot of them don't know what they're talking about either. It's, and they can't know, go this deep. No, they don't have the time. Yeah. Um, so that's why we're here to fix that. That's right. American Loser is here to make history fun again. So uh, <laughs> when now, you invited me here, you know, I thought I was like. American loser. I didn't. I, I thought I was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was the topic. <laughs> uh, well, your, your improv partner, old Big Rich, um, he wants to do the episode of American Loser where it, I'm the topic and it's just Kahuna roasting me for an hour. <laughs> Kahuna, I'm in. <laughs> uh, you be the roast master. I'm in. The question is, though, gentlemen, what is a soldier of fortune to do when there's no more fighting to be done? Yeah, well, we're going to learn how to do barrels. I got to find I got to throw this one into just to kind of uh, illuminate how much everybody got along with this guy <laughs> while he's uh, fighting in the uh, Russo-Turkish war with with Poland. He's also challenged to a duel and he has two fingers shot off in the in the duel. So <laughs> I don't know. It was that. He, I thought that was, was later. No, no, that was that was. Uh, that was in 1769. So it's we're just in a flesh wound. So yeah. <laughs> so then he went on to be a shop teacher. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> At Fort Lee High School. Quit screwing around, kids. <laughs> Make your birdhouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he he did not get along with really anybody. He was pretty much a loner. Um, well, and he's a he's a prick. You so. want to compare him again? <laughs> the, the, he's about to. He kind of knows Washington, but he's about to become face to face with him because uh, the, the two of them are going to be vying for a position. Um, but again, the thing is, what do you want to go with? Calm, cool George Washington, who doesn't says you know he doesn't really say a whole lot, listens to people, you know, kind of just makes the you know a very calm guy. Or do you want to deal with Charles Lee, who's like Charles Lee is his own trumpeter. He's got a little. We always reference him on the show, Ric Flair, yeah. where. You can either sit there and you can have, you know, the undertaker in George Washington, who's just going to let everything, you know, you understand how you're going to deal with mm -hmm. him. Right. Or Charles Lee comes through and it's just, whoo, Russo-Turkish war, jet flying, limousine riding, Portugal. So, Squaw stealing. <laughs> Squaw stealing. <laughs> uh, that might be the best joke of the episode. I don't think we're topping that. Um, so now he's a... Uh, he, he has a change of heart, if you will. Not really a change of heart, but all of a sudden his uh, his heartstrings are being pulled at. Could this be because here's a new country and he can't get a, a current promotion in the British Army and he has an opportunity now to go fight in a brand new country that's forming that he could get in on the ground floor of Google, if you will, right? Um, or does he genuinely have the compassion to say, I feel for the American colonists. Uh, their, their taxation without representation is a sin. <laughs> uh, the, the crown shouldn't be taxing them for wars. They had no part in blah, blah, blah. So he winds up coming back over to uh, America. And he now uh, lives, what, like almost an next door neighbor to, to General Gates, right there? Yeah, I mean, uh, the Seven Years' War ends. His regiment is disbanded. He retires at, at half pay as a major. And so now what are you going to do? There's no more wars to be fought. So uh, he decides he's going to jump over to America. And then right around this whole time, too, that he is verbally letting his um, his ideas or his opinions be known, uh, actually pisses off the king of England uh, and is saying that, the you know, the, the 
British colonies, the American colonies, are correct in fighting the Stamp Act and everything else. So he's not making many friends in high places by any stretch of the imagination and comes over to North America once again. Remember, he was here for the French and Indian War. Mm -hmm. He comes back over to America. And I believe the timeline is now somewhere in 1773. He moves to the colonies. He's got some money from, uh, you know, the half pay and selling his uh, major uh, commission. Um, spends like uh, 10 months or so just traveling around the colonies, letting letting himself be known. Hey, I am the greatest. You know, the, the, <laughs> I kicked some ass over there in Poland. I kicked Self-funded some ass promotional in Portugal. tour right. about Self- himself. Exactly. That, uh, you, you know, you want to know how great I am? Let me tell you how great I am. The following that is a paid promotional thing. ad for General Charles Lee. <laughs> I came here to kick ass and chew bubble gum. That's right. <laughs> and I ran out of bubble gum. gum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he, he's traveling around and he's meeting with some of the higher-ups. He meets with George Washington in Mount Vernon. He goes up to Massachusetts and meets with Adams and some of the other, uh, you know, politicos, if you will, at the time. The right. cause, yeah. um, and actually buys, because then he's realizing that if I'm really going to be taken serious, I got to be an, you know, American colonist myself. Uh, so he buys um, property in Virginia, which would later become West Virginia, but he's like next door neighbors to this other guy, Horatio Gates, who was another British officer who uh, resigned his commission and came to America to, you know, find a new life, if you will, and maybe maybe make a fortune uh, over here with uh, with Horatio Gates. So Gates and and Lee are buddies. Um, What year is this? uh, 1775. We're a year away from right. Things are seeding heat up. Going and, down. Right, right. Shit's right. going down for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we've already had the Boston Tea, Tea Party. Party. We've yeah. had the Boston Massacre, and uh, we're now sitting on top of uh, Bunker Hill or Breed's Hill and overlooking Boston because British have now sent troops into Boston, and uh, you know, things things are definitely heating up. And and Lee is one of those guys that. Again, is like, hey, screw this shit. We're out of here. We're, Let we're, me we're, out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Ooh, there you go. There you go. That's one crazy thing people don't really understand about the American Revolution, too, is that uh, before there's a formal declaration of war and kind of stuff like that, that that's uh, we started that timer late. You could ignore okay. that. <laughs> but uh, before there's even this formal declaration, like the Battle of Bunker Hill happens, right? A, a legit battle. You know, where they're dropping, you know, they're, they're killing a lot of redcoats and they're still sitting there like, but we still hope for a peaceful resolution. <laughs> like it's it's almost a right. reluctant war here at this point. But you got certain agitators going on here. And uh, I thought this was worth noting, too. And again, jump in when you got some other stuff here. Um, Lee now because of partly because of his own promotion. And partly because of his resume. The resume is good. You can't crow like Ric Flair if you're not the 16-time world heavyweight champion, right? Mm -hmm. But so Lee's got a good resume. Very popular candidate among the Second Continental Congress to be placed in command of the Continental Army. And he had the experience on the home front, too. He's fought in America before. He's ingratiating himself into the cause well. And he can do pretty much anything. He knows the British Army in and out because he was once a member of it. Uh, The only guy who's got a resume that can really compete with him uh, even though Lee thinks his resume is that much better, is good old George Washington, who is born in the USA, if you will, a nice colonial boy, 
And uh, so you're going to go, yeah, yeah. you got to go with them. you got to go with the <clears throat> local kid. But without yeah. knowing everything that we just talked about, okay, not mm -hmm. knowing the type of person that Lee is, okay, if you were to just place a resume in front of me of George Washington and Lee, I think that I would take Lee as well with the experience he has knowing the, the, the British Army, the continent. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. It's like looking at it, you would think. I don't know, man. And, this and guy knows a right. He he knows different. He aspects. knows military. He knows he's yeah. a professional soldier. Where Washington was the leader of a militia, which is not quite the same. But Lee is is self promoting, but he's also not a not a good guy to be pals with kind of right, a thing right. that, you know he's a slob for one thing he's ugly <laughs> you know uh he's not a handsome guy by any stretch of the imagination you, you where gonna, he, you had say it? george washington what's that you, you're, gonna, you're gonna say where we got this information from oh yeah i mean his um, instagram profile his, uh, <laughs> his instagram profile but, um yeah he was described um by uh, abigail adams now uh -huh. abigail adams uh, was in uh, communication with her husband, John Adams, all the time. They're always writing letters back and forth. And she's really only one of two women that have ever been married to a president and mother of a president. Barbara Bush was the was the other one. So, I mean, she was as much as a woman could be involved in politics. Abigail Adams was involved and her her meeting uh, Charles Lee bef before the, the shooting war really started. She was she was not impressed that this guy is slovenly. He's dirty. He's uh He's a skinny little guy with a huge head and a huge uh, nose. Um, the, the caricatures we saw of him, too. Yeah. Like pencil thin legs, like weird looking dude, right? Um, and, and do we want to say the, the, something that maybe accompanies him everywhere he goes, Dan? Describe yeah. Starvin' Marvin. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, he, his uniform was invariably dirty, slovenly. His conversation was sprinkled with. Uh, uh, Phrases that would make uh, a longshoreman blush where now, it, whether he's in the company of women or not, that this, this guy had no tact gotcha. at whatsoever, yeah. whatsoever. Like you said before, he's not uh, making friends anywhere. And yeah, and he's in he's in constant company with a, a pack of dogs that, uh, you know, again, going back to the times, dogs, Fido, your little pet dog was not as it is today where we're going to uh, um, to the pet store to to buy these little treats and doggies and, you know, doggy blankets and everything else that dogs at this particular point in time are just starting to become part of uh, a household. Dog at that time is, you know, if you're sleeping with dogs, you're sleeping with dogs. That, uh, that was you're, you're downplaying that one. Now, that, when he's uh, saying dogs, by the way, he doesn't mean these are uh, unscrupulous characters. These are literally mangy dogs that he right. eats right. with at his meals. They're not domesticated animals like we know with, right now. Yeah, right. sleeps with exactly. in, in his bed at night. Exactly. They're always around him, too. And then one of them, too. So the uh, smell is part of what she was describing. Oh, they're they're going to stink. What kind of dogs do you think he has, Daniel? If you had, oh. We're talking about a military guy here. Guys telling you how badass he is all the time. What kind of dog does that conjure up in your mind? Like hellhounds? Like hell, <laughs> big, <laughs> badass dogs, right? Like I don't know. I just, I just picture yeah. like junkyard dogs. There we go. Now, That's how intimidated it. would you be if uh, this guy comes up to you tell how badass he is while he's petting his Pomeranian? No way. <laughs> little, yeah. That's what he is that what? Yep. Yeah. One of his favorites was a, a little pom <laughs> Pomeranian. And then Abigail Adams talks about um, meeting this guy. And then 
he um, pulling up a chair to be right in front of Abigail Adams and then having the dog jump up onto the chair so that she would have to shake the paw of this little. How many times did he accidentally pet Washington's wig? (laughs) Really? About the the same size. That's that's my hair. (laughs) So you got all that. And then you got. So he winds up losing the job to Washington. I agree with you, too, by the way. If I saw just the two resumes, I'd probably go with Charles Lee. But here's the thing. Washington's going to win the interview. Because Washington is just a calm, stoic kind of a guy here. They wind up giving him that. So He's Charles, too braggadocious, this dude. Yeah. Right. So Charles Lee, to me, uh, I feel for him in this particular case. So anything I've ever auditioned for, and uh, we, you've got the best audition story I've ever heard in my life, Joe. Thank you. Um, but uh, anytime I put in for a comedy festival or I audition for a booker or something like that, if they ever tell me that I don't get it, my initial reaction is calm. And I'm like, you know what? There's a lot of really talented people out there. This is this is 100 percent true. Yeah, I'm, there's a ton, yeah. ton of talented people out there. I'm going to come back and audition again, and I'm going to I'm going to work on myself. I'm going to do everything I need to do to be ready for that the next go around. And then I find out who got it instead of me, and I say that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of what Charles Lee is like. He's like, he's like all right, well, you know, I, I understand you got to go with George Washington. He's a local boy. He's homegrown. I'll just be second in command. And they're like, actually, we're going to go with this guy Artemis Ward. Are you kidding me? Who's Artemis? <laughs> Artemis Ward is largely a no nothing, uh, not a no nothing, but a. a, a a non-factor. Well, I'll he call. came in and, and went out real quick. Yeah, Old I mean, man, while, not while, the, good health. while the Continental Congress is trying to pick their their military leader, you got George Washington, you got Artemis Ward, you've got Charles Lee. Now, Charles Lee has got all the military cred- credentials. Washington made a name for himself in the French and Indian War as a colonial militiaman, and, and of course, you know, being uh, dying, having Braddock uh, die in your arms, kind of a thing, gives you a little bit of street cred too, uh, because he it was Washington was credited with saving the rest of the <laughs> the rest of the uh, British forces from that disaster. Um, but at the same time, Washington agreed to lead the army for no pay. Where Charles Lee insisted upon being paid up front that, you know, he's going back to his uh, to his um, mercenary kind of a kind of a play. I'm the best general, but, you know, you don't get the best without paying for it. So that was another reason why they didn't go with him. And Washington is from Virginia. And a lot of the hostilities really festered or started up in New England. So if you're trying to unite all 13 colonies, if you're if you pick Artemis Ward, who's a Massachusetts guy uh, who also made a name for himself during the French and Indian War. But now you got New England kind of joining up and you're leaving the rest of the rest of the colonies out in the cold kind of a thing. So that was another reason why they picked George Washington, that he was more politically correct, if you will, to uh, lead the army than uh, Well, like Colin Lee said, Virginia is, uh, you want to talk to the South, you go through Virginia, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, now, speaking of the South, though, he gets, uh, Charles Lee takes his third in command position, and he winds up one of his first assignments as he goes down South, and he is in charge of protecting one of the very best drinking cities in the entire United States. You want to guess what it is in South Carolina, Joe? I was going to say Cranford, New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> that's, in the South. that's the South. Charleston? Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, man. they call us the Charleston of Jersey. That's, that's who we were. <laughs> yeah, by the time he goes down to Charleston, though, he is now second in command because Artemis Ward is an old, and, and, and Lee made this very public that, you know, he's deriding this guy that 
that fat old man, and then he couldn't he couldn't guard the uh, the churchyard type of a thing. And Artemis Ward actually had to back out because of ill health, mm-hmm. so he's gone. But Lee was involved with the whole siege of Boston kind of a thing, um, you know. And so far, he's doing he's doing a pretty good job. Um, he is then sent down to Charleston, and he's like in charge of the South, the Southern Campaign. Washington is still up north uh, around uh, New York because, again, now the British are out of Boston. They sail away and they come into New York. Charles Lee is down in in Charleston, um, and there's some fighting going on in in Charleston. Did did you want to dive into that? Yeah, this is, uh, to me, this is worth noting, but I do want to get to the the absolute... uh, the end of the second act, if you will, of the movie that is Charles Lee. Okay. You know exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. Um, so uh, Lee heads south. He's placed in charge of the fortification of the city of Charleston from a pending assault by General George Clinton and the Parliament Funkadelic. Uh, I'm, <laughs> so many things are coming together for me right I, now. I, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I may have read that wrong. I'm sorry. Sir Henry Clinton. Um, in a weird twist, the fortifications that were being made down in South Carolina were made out of palmetto trees. All right. As in palmetto trees, Jeez, the yeah. same thing on the South Carolina oh, flag. flag. With the yep. moon right. on the tree. Yep. Yeah. So the cool, one of the coolest state flags around. Yes. Um, the only thing, I hated the Jersey flag until John Stewart on The Daily Show pointed out that we have a severed horse's head in honor of the Godfather on it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and Taylor Ham. And Pork roll. Whatever. I just like eating it. <laughs> right. So here's the fun thing about Lee. Lee feels that that fort with these palmetto tree fortifications is not going to hold against British firepower and orders it evacuated. He even claims he goes this fort will not last more than 30 minutes in the fight governor rutledge uh the governor of south carolina overrides that order so you want to talk about topical here governors overriding you know all sorts of stuff the power of what is the power of the governor you know uh he overrides that and tells a guy by the name of colonel moultrie not to leave the fort and guess what those spongy ass palmetto trees actually repel the incoming cannon fire right and the city and the fort will be held they 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 stand through the night if you will yep because that palmetto tree is like so full of moisture, so full of water that as the cannonballs hit it, the impact was just dispersed within within the log kind of a thing, and it didn't blow it apart. It just like went thud. Like, it was like, absorbed it's like it. punching mud. <laughs> I was going to say shooting a bullet into the water or something like that. Yeah. So wow. a couple of people, exactly. a couple That's of people, amazing. they don't know the full story of all that. So the story that winds up getting spun that Lee never corrects is that they announce Lee as the hero of Charleston. So now the guy who said, get out of that fort. It's not going to hold. This is bullshit. Let's let, you know, we'll figure out what we're going to do. The governor steps in and then a guy, Colonel Moultrie, winds up being the hero of the day. Right. And the palmetto trees are really the hero of the day. But Lee's like, well, I don't have to correct them. You know what I mean? So now he's, I'm does, the hero of Charleston. Does he ever get called out on this bullshit? Like, he's, does, or does everyone in the back of their minds know, yeah, we all know Charles is full of shit. Kahuna, what's the name of the podcast? Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but that's all why they really to this day i mean the carolinas North palmetto state i mean because of the uh moultrie defending the fort that was reinforced with palmetto trees yeah where are we at on time right now because i just want to ask that one thing as we're moving forward here no worries no i, I know we're not worried about it. i love you for that but i do want to know because i'm pacing the episode so um it would look like uh oh it don't really matter an hour okay we're at the hour mark so Good. We're going to get into uh, here we go. This is our, our end of our second act here. All right. So if I can quickly, we leave Carolina. He's being proclaiming himself as the hero of Charleston. Um, Washington calls him back up to New York because things are not going well for Washington up into New York. 
Um, there's two forts on both sides of the Hudson River. On the New York side of the Hudson River, there's Fort Washington. Uh-huh. On the other side, in New Jersey, there's a fort that, that I think initially they called uh, Fort Independence, a uh, Fort Constitution. When Lee comes back up from the Carolinas, everybody's, hooray, we got our hero back, you know, that he's now with our forces. And they renamed Fort Constitution Fort Lee, that we now come to know as Fort Lee, New Jersey. Anyone we know born in Fort Lee dead? Uh, yeah, a couple of people uh, who were born in Fort Lee mm-hmm. in the, in the so, Burke family. Yeah, the Burke family has its uh, its origins. Wait, were you, you born in Fort, Fort Lee? Lee? Nah, my, no, my my uh, my parents were were both in Fort Lee or Fort Leeites, if you will. Fort Leeites, right? Uncle Bobby too. No, but Uncle Bobby was uh, born and bred, if you will. Wow. So that's the thing that very, very proud uh, Fort Lee heritage now. Um, and then obviously they could Shh. never afford to live there now. Uh, Fort Palmetto <laughs> sounds stupid. <laughs> that's right, right. So yeah. Lee, by the way, just just talking personality wise, nothing bad to say about Washington uh, to begin with, but starts criticizing his actions in the New York campaign. And if you remember, a lot of the stuff with Washington was living to fight another day. So. Where Washington gets his credit, he's more remembered fondly in history because he said, all right, listen, would we have loved a bravado like we're going to fight and kill it? We're going to do everything we can here in Brooklyn. Um, He's actually able to successfully keep the army intact to eventually fight um, pitched battles at a later time. He's employing a little bit of what's known as it it starts here, um, but it's it's pretty much like a a skirmish filled retreat is what he's doing. And it's also known that the Romans called it the Fabian strategy. And that was that one of the generals, what he would do to frustrate his enemies was um, he would have skirmishers come out and the the people who were chasing him would assume, oh, if the battle's on, here we go. And then as soon as the skirmish was over, then his other troops are still retreating the whole time. So you're chasing them. It's like, we're going to stop. It's like when you fight with uh, your sibling or something like that and your sibling comes up to you, smacks you in the face and then runs away real quick. And you're like, oh, it's on, but they just keep running. Yes. So (laughs) delaying action. Yeah. 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 Uh, It was a Carrie Burke action. too. (laughs) Carrie would put out one of her cigarettes on me and uh, and tell me, if you tell mom and dad, I'll kill you. And uh, again, Carrie uh, is up for parole soon, guys. I thought she was out. Uh, well, she was supposed to be, and then there was an incident with another inmate. Oh, so, so. we still have time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Carrie. Okay. Um, She's yeah, looking for you? Um, so, I don't know. I mean, that's what the letters written in blood are telling me, but we'll find out as we go. <laughs> uh, again, Lee, nothing bad to say about Washington, but now he's burning him because he goes, why, you know, we're not really fighting. What's up? Why is he doing some of these bullshit you know, retreats? I'm not digging all that. Yeah, he's, he's very open about uh, Washington is not handling this well. I want to talk about tweets if, ruining lives, if you picked, letters. Right. If you, if you picked me, things would have been a whole lot different. I mean, the New York campaign was not good for for the Washington uh, total disaster Washington supporters yeah so um, and then um, actually the British capture Fort Washington again now we're on the New York side of the Hudson River and they lose about 3,000 guys 3,000 uh, prisoners are taken by the British and are now spending the rest of the war in prison ships in uh, in the Hudson River um, and then uh the British come across the Hudson River and now attack um, Fort Lee. And there's about 2,000 guys in Fort Lee, but they do a skedaddle before the, the British actually get there. So uh, the British captured Fort Lee, but it was pretty much an empty uh, an empty space. Not Meanwhile, an accurate lose reception here, but is there a certain young man that's maybe doing some undercover work for the Continental Army around this time, Dad? Uh, you go for it. Nathan Hale. 
Oh, Nathan Hale, yeah. Yeah. Nathan. You, know, you know why he doesn't remember that one? Because he wasn't here for it, Kahuna, because we had to hold down this fort by ourselves. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just thinking of all the traffic they sat in, in Fort Lee trying to attack. <laughs> you know, that's probably, <laughs> They came up with, like, what the hell? Right. <laughs> Three o'clock in the afternoon. What are we doing? <laughs> it's green. $15 it's green. to get shot at. <laughs> <laughs> I can get my dry cleaning there or there or there or there, and there's hot dogs. <laughs> that's right. There you go. Uniforms are spotless. <laughs> oh, that was such a quaint. If, if anyone There's a little local color there. Right. <laughs> yeah, that is that is about as spot on as they get. Thank um, you. So uh, now, in order to rendezvous, there's this thing where Washington wants to, to, to he needs to reconnect now with again the hero of Charleston is sitting there way, but he's slow. He's uh, it's actually been historians now refer to it as insubordinate that he's dragging his feet so slow to rendezvous with Washington, and it actually leads him to pretty. I'm going to compare it to a child dragging his feet at bedtime. I think that's the way to look at it here. And we're, we're about to get into uh, this is this is the whole reason we're here. Today. Yeah, this is really the, the start of it. I mean, when they evacuate Fort Lee and Washington, Washington had three different divisions, one of which was being led by Lee, who was like north up in the Westchester area, north of uh, New York City. Um, Washington is pulling the rest of the troops out of Fort Lee and they barely escape because the British are hot on their trail. And if it wasn't for a little bridge crossing across the Hackensack River. Again, I gotta, I gotta go with this because this is all Jersey pride here. <laughs> I mean, if they, if they had not successfully gotten across Newbridge in in New Milford or River Edge or Hackensack, yeah. that whole area on the Hackensack River, if they weren't able to escape that and then burn that bridge behind them, um, the British would have been hot on their tail. So Washington is doing a skedaddle across New Jersey, and he's um, sending letters. Um, reports up to uh, Lee, join me as quickly as possible, because we're going to try um, to defend Philadelphia. The capital is in Philadelphia. And again, going to the times when you're in a war, in a European war, if you capture somebody's capital, game over, game over, game over and the war's over. So um, Washington is feared that um, the British are going to chase him right across New Jersey and try to capture Philadelphia. Washington, come out to play. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Philadelphia is where the Continental Congress is, is holed up right now. So You could end the entire rebellion in about three days if this shit goes poorly. Right, right, right. So, if they captured Philly at this point? Mm-hmm. Well, if they capture Washington going across going across the New Brit. Jersey. Oh, okay. right? and, and so the Continental Congress. Keep in mind, that's a Tory town. They're, they're, they're really a loyalist right, town. Right. That's where they probably would have left after they heard the accents, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate it. <laughs> yeah, but Washington is repeatedly telling Lee, get your, your, your division, the, a, a third of his army, maybe even half of his army, to follow, you know, to get across New Jersey as quickly as possible and join me on the banks of the Delaware. So now we're on the other side of the other side of uh, New Jersey, went from the Hudson to the Delaware. And like Kevin said, uh, Lee is absolutely dragging his feet. As a matter of fact, the British were hot on Washington's tail. Um, he's in Trenton and like taking the last boat <laughs> across the Delaware River to get into Pennsylvania and burning anything other Anything other that anything else that might be able to get them across the Delaware River. One of the heroic people in that move, oddly, Aaron Burr. 
Aaron Burr. Really? Yep. Yes, yep. sir. Went down there to check out the back episode on him. This podcast has back catalogs, guys. We explain all this There's shit, man. There's so many news receptions here that it's incredible. But uh, Get ready for I want to talk December 12th. What's Lee up to, Dad? Uh, December 12th. I mean, things are going bad for Washington. Lee is finally starting to move at a snail's pace across New Jersey to join up with Washington as ordered. And... Uh, he is not with his army. He's like three miles away, and he decides that uh, they're going to spend the night in the Widow White's Tavern. This which is, is Lee that you're talking this about. This is Lee. Okay. This is Lee. His army is three miles ahead of him. Okay. Lee is like behind his army with a small detachment, and they decide, well, we're going to spend the night at Widow White's Tavern. Now, it's, there's varying reports as to why he might have wanted to spend the night at Widow White's. Uh, Widow White's Tavern, depending on who you're reading here, that... Uh, they were pet friendly. W- Widow, <laughs> Widow, White, Widow White was uh, missing uh, male companionship uh, since her husband died and uh, was... Hence the name. Was, was happily uh, mm-hmm. parting, parting that out for, for a fee. Gotcha. Um, all right. So uh, he spends the night on uh, December the 12th uh, in Widow White's Tavern. And then next morning, he's still in his bed clothes. He's uh, writing t- at a table, writing to his buddy um, Gates. General Gates. General Gates. He's talking shit. It's he's not a letter. He's right. talking shit. He's talking shit about how poorly Washington is really doing. He's and tweeting is what he's the, doing. The, this, yeah. this whole thing yeah. really sucks about Washington doesn't know what the hell he's doing and everything else. And then um, the houses or Widow White's Tavern now on the morning of the 13th. So it's Friday the 13th at Widow White's in... Um, what the heck was the town, Kevin? Basking Ridge. Basking Ridge. Thank you very much. <laughs> no kidding. Yes, yeah. sir. Basking Ridge, New Jersey. Um, uh, he, he's sitting the at the table writing this letter, bashing uh, Washington in a letter to uh, to Gates. And there's another loser reception there because the guy who was going to deliver the letter to Gates is our own. Go ahead, Kev. Well, there's a guy. <laughs> You guys may know him as probably the biggest scoundrel we've ever covered on the show. Is that fair to say? Yeah, he was early on. He was an early on loser. Go back to one of our early episodes on uh, James Wilkinson, the biggest scumbag and the scumbag founding father himself is involved in this catastrophe. So Wilkinson is at the tavern with Lee and he was uh, to take this letter to Gates. But now the house is surrounded. Uh, the house is surrounded by uh, British troops uh, and is led by uh, Colonel William Harcourt. Now, Harcourt is a, it's a cavalry regiment. And under Harcourt's um, command is a guy that we're going to see later on in the revolution, big time down south, Bannister Tarleton. Now, Bannister Tarleton is with the 16th Queen's Light Infantry Dragoons. Just so happens this this same regiment was fought alongside of Lee over in Portugal. So all these guys know one another. They, you know, they've got they've got back history type of a thing. Daniel, did you see uh, the Patriot? That's why. Uh, 
No. Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson saves America. It's, you know, it's the usual. Again. Uh, <laughs> again. Again. Um, again. It's but that. one of the main villains in that is based off of Tarleton. Uh, uh, yeah. That's Tarleton. When he right. said the Dragoons. That's why yeah. I knew it. Yeah. Only because yep. of that. As a matter of fact, uh, Tarleton made the charge while he was still in England when he heard that Lee was joining the colonial forces, that he was going to go over there and cut this guy's head off. That, like, they hated each other from what was going on. And Carlton is this young, brash, ego, egotistical maniac himself. So, uh, you know, there's uh, he. Tarleton says that he's going to cut the head off of that traitor because here was a former British Army yeah, officer is now sure. fighting for the American colonists and is considered a traitor to the British side that he was going to go over there and, and, and deal with him. Anyhow, he's captured. He's like uh, taken then immediately to New Brunswick because that's where the British forces were at that particular point in chasing Washington and then shipped off to uh, New York City. You forget so, how old of a town New Brunswick is until you, uh, I always say this, when if you're at the top of the parking garage mm-hmm. at uh, the stress factory and you can see out at every, you're just like, wow, this could be. That's pretty intense. My daughter goes to Rutgers. I see it all. I, I'm so. I love that sort of, town, man. Yeah. Really, even the college itself is older than the country. Right. Yep. It's, right. Uh, exactly. It's exactly. a good school too, by the way. But um, real quick, Queens I just wanna, College. I want to. <laughs> That's what it's, it's called. Truth. Queens yeah. College. And right. then it was they have, um, and, and you know that you're in an old part of Jersey when uh, the university predates the country. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, now check this out real quickly. He winds up spending the next 16 months in British captivity. Okay. Now, what is Charles Lee doing? You would think, all right, Kahuna, you have some skeletons in your closet, right? Yeah. I have some skeletons in my closet. Our hope is that we die. Joe doesn't have any. (laughs) Yeah, Joe doesn't have any. And uh, Daniel, as far as we we know, has Our friends clear our browser history, basically. That's uh, (laughs) that's why you have to have. I call them cookies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what's going to wind up happening here is that in the 16 months that he's in prison, uh, he's remembered during his lifetime as like, oh, he was a prisoner of war and the hero of Charleston and blah, blah, all this other shit. Um, And then years later, letters of his are found. And these are still up for debate to this day. Uh, Not much is known about his activities during that time. But in the 1850s, literally, you know, almost 100 years later, uh, documents are discovered with letters dated 1777 where they're written by Lee to higher-ups in the British government, the British Army, and the British Navy. And these letters include various plans for how to help the British defeat the colonials. What library? I, I read it last night. Wasn't it a famous um, a historian who found that? Or was it the owner of a library? It was like found by accident, wasn't it? Yeah, those, those complete, papers? this is like... They, they literally this altered history when right. they found you know right. who this dude is if it was in the marvel in the in the marvel movies this is loki he got passed <laughs> over for the throne and started acting like a little crybaby bitch you know that's that's pretty that's pretty accurate right Fort there loki <laughs> because uh, when he's taken into new york city with uh, general howe in charge of uh, new york city the british general um you know, you, it, the history book might read, well, he was a, a captive of the British in New York City. Well, not so much. I mean, he's back with all his old army buddies that uh, he knew all these guys. And he wasn't like a prisoner of war in, in a prison. He was put up in an apartment, a multi-room apartment with the servant. It's like where the wise guys go to prison in Goodfellas. Yeah. With, not too much garlic. Yeah. It was uh, <laughs> Club Med kind of right. a thing, you know. Uh, <laughs> That uh, he's got his own uh, servant and he's hobnobbing with these guys going to various parties and everything else. He's a prisoner, but 
It's like, it's like Capone's um, prison cell. You ever see pictures of that? Yes. Where it's like it's fully decked out. Right. Might as well had flat screens. Yeah, and, I, uh, actually, and it's never been now. Yeah. <laughs> I got the good fellas. How many onions in that sauce? One, on, one little onion. One onion. A whole onion? <laughs> <laughs> it's a decent time for it, especially if you're trading out. Now, here's the other thing, too. Could he have just been doing this as, uh, was it an act of subterfuge? You know what I mean? Is he dicking around? Is he playing both sides? Is he giving intense, uh, intentionally false information? A lot of historians are going to say that he's not actually guilty of treason for what he did there. But uh, Washington's biographers do make sure to mention Charles Lee. Not exactly the stand-up guy. Uh, Washington's generals, we keep saying, what a bunch of bastards in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, and he, he's disobeying orders from Washington as he was ordered to come across New Jersey as quickly as possible. And he's doing that as a snail pace. I think. And then he stopped at the tavern. Am I right? Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. It's like, so there's, a, there's a snail's pace coming across New Jersey. And I think there was a game changer for, for Lee at that particular point that he's looking at the way this uh, um, this Continental Army is really fighting, and they're not doing real well at this point in the war at all. So he's thinking, well, you know, if things go bad, maybe I ought to, uh, you know, take care of Mr. Lee first and I'm foremost. I'm going to take a couple interviews, you yeah, know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make some, uh, some uh, mention of uh, the things that you might want to do, because he was in captivity in New York City for 16, 18 months, but he was only there like for four months when these letters are being written as to, if you really want to defeat the colonials, this is how you should do it. I mean, he's he's telling how exactly how <laughs> to go about it. And to the British side, a lot of their strategy is really coming from from London, that the British generals are sent over here, but they're not really calling the shots. It's back home in, in London that they're telling them how, to, how you're going to fight this war. On, on, a, on a continent that they've never even set foot on. Which, as Vietnam taught us, is the only way to win a war. Right, uh, right. And then, you know, there's a guy, there's another <laughs> British general that was supposedly coming down out of Canada, Burgoyne, um, and Lee had close affinity with Burgoyne. He knew Burgoyne, and he had a nickname, a gentleman, Johnny Burgoyne. He wasn't exactly the the uh, John Wayne uh, blood and guts type of uh, personality either. He was more noted for being a playwright than he was a general. But he was sent down out of Canada and coming down because they were going to try to control the Hudson River. So you had Howe in New York and you had Burgoyne coming down out of Canada. They were going to control that. And that played into this whole thing, too. Um, Did Howe ever meet Lee's wife? Because I just picture Lee introducing. How? Uh, no. Who? God How? damn it, Joe. I, 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 I How? I, How? Who? I was How? stitching it together and I said, wait, it's, I know it's coming. It's <laughs> How or who is that on was, first? That was, How? That was awesome. That Thank was a you. brilliant <laughs> reference. I, I, I appreciate you. that one. Right. You. you know who I feel I bad for in all this, though? The person I feel bad for is Daniel because he, he's supposed to be here to learn the ones and twos on this stuff. He's thinking he's coming in for a quick hour, real quick, to learn, yeah, yeah, learn how to work. We're hammering this yeah, guy. We're hammering this guy. We're hammering this one. And then also he could have come in for what is it, comics on cannabis or whatever. So it's the cute girl that smokes pot. He could have been hanging out with her all day. Instead, blame your uh, dad. Instead, <laughs> I've been to enough podcasts. I, I know how this works. <laughs> <laughs> but are we Kelly's catching your interest on anything? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. It's a, I, it's weird, man. Because it's some people don't like history, and then you start telling these stories, and they're like, holy shit, this is like just it, if you look at it as a movie, it's that much more interesting. I well, this like. one especially, like this this really boils down to the power of a good interview, like. <laughs> like 
like, <laughs> like if that one person had fucked up, this guy would be our Absolutely. our George Washington. When he's telling me all this, or I'm listening to the whole backstory. Isn't it yeah. crazy? Yeah, that one person, one thing goes his way, and Lee, and we wouldn't be the United States, right? Now well, theoretically, right? Uh, very true on that too. Now you want to talk about fake people too, about how Lee can be this way with certain fake well, news. Well, Washington's a good guy on this one, man. He really, you, you, I, I came away from it with an additional respect. Not that I didn't respect him in the first place, but um, so when Lee finally gets released via a prisoner exchange, he's uh, seeing the Continental Army now. And like you said, Dad, rough shape. OK, a couple of winners. You got some deserters. There's people who are like there's no the reason that the war has to be fought at this snail's pace is for a couple of reasons. One is that the Continentals can't win a pitched battle. So if they try to go head to head with the British, they're right. just going to get decimated. And you want to strag that out so you can get strength in numbers, resupply people, maybe get your north and south campaigns on the same page for a little while. And also there's the idea that if you hold off long enough, France can sit there and say, well, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And maybe those French ships are going to show up. They keep talking about who eventually do wind up showing up. Mm -hmm. A little badass dude named uh, Marquis de Lafayette is also making uh, the, the rounds around here. And uh, we got this interesting thing going on here. So it's uh, it's 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 approaching summertime in Jersey. There's a certain thing we're going to have to talk about in a second. We're not jumping in right away. But I do want to mention this one thing here. As Lee uh, returns into the camp, he's literally making comments on his way in like, holy shit, Washington shouldn't be in charge of anything. Georgie, talk to me, baby. How are you? And Washington greets him. He's like so happy to have him there because within his own ranks, unknown to Charles Lee uh, during this time, there was that Conway cabal where the generals tried to overthrow Washington. Right. And Washington's like, well... Lee was in prison. Thank God I can count on this guy. I mean, he just writes mean letters, you know, and probably George wasn't even aware of the letters, too. That little uh, teardrop tattoo under his eye you meant know. nothing. <laughs> Here comes Lee. Right. Uh, so he's almost happy to have him back. He goes, at least this guy hasn't actively tried to stab me in the back yet. Yeah, the, the crap that uh, that Washington had to put up with uh, with his subordinates was just unbelievable because he's fighting Congress. He's fighting his own um, other generals. Uh, Gates is another guy that was... You know, a British Army officer, so he's got military cred too. That he's looking for the for Washington's position. You got Lee that's looking for Washington's position. Everybody wanted to be the the head honcho, and they're all backstabbing one another to try to elevate themselves. Lee is finally released from New York in a prisoner exchange. So Lee comes back to the Continental Forces, um, you know, was it 16 or 18 months later? So he's out of New York now. He's no longer a prisoner. It was a prisoner exchange. He comes back into Valley Forge and is looking around. It's like, holy shit, you know, think this this army is um, not going to be able to stand up in front of British regulars. Little did Lee know, though, that there was another guy, another foreigner that volunteered his services by the name of von Steuben, Baron von Steuben, who trained these guys over the winter months at Valley Forge mm -hmm. so that they're a much more efficient fighting force. They were mercenaries? Was that... Von Steuben? Yeah. You're thinking the Hessians. Hessians. The Hessians. Uh, the Hessians were the mercenaries right. for the British. But von Steuben was a, uh, a, I think, a Prussian immigrant that... You know, volunteered his services to the to vitals the American of the course. Yeah. That way. Him and Lafayette, it's almost neck and neck for who was the the, the more um, 
uh, important influence uh, so, for the European Yeah, powers. so while Washington is in Valley Forge and trying to hold his army together, which was, uh, you know, a disastrous winter, von Steuben shows up and starts training these guys because up right now it's just really a whole bunch of volunteers that were coming together. Maybe they fought Indians in, the, in uh, the French and Indian War, but, you know, they weren't any kind of a standing army by any stretch of the imagination. So he starts to organize these guys and uh, uh, trains them and uh, – so they're coming out of Valley Forge now in the spring of 70... Dates don't matter. Don't, dates don't matter. <laughs> I'm trying to be the history teacher here. But they come out of, the, out of Valley Forge a different, a different force, a different fighting force. Lee finally comes back to them, and everybody's like, hey, well, we got Lee back, and then we're really going to start kicking some ass. Meanwhile, the French are now involved. So the, the French have declared their allegiance to the American cause. So now we've got French forces are being promised. And more importantly, the French Navy is now being in, um, involved. Um, the British are, are ordered to come out of Philadelphia and go back into New York. They always held New York and Philadelphia, but now they're consolidating the forces because now. Anything in between New York and Philadelphia you guys can think of? Yes, yes, Joe. Uh, New Jersey. <laughs> That's it. So, Literally moments from here is where the next event is about oh my, to take place. Yeah, so now... Not uh, my house. <laughs> it's a game changer that with the French involved, now the British have to protect more vital interests in the Caribbean and everything else. So a lot of the British forces are taken out of North America and sent elsewhere. They're, to they're ordered to... Um, leave Philadelphia and go back to New York. So now he's got to take his entire army out of Philadelphia and back to New York. And they've got like 1,500 wagon loads of, of shit plus the army um, back across New Jersey and get back into the safety of New York. And everybody's saying, hey, now's the time. If the American cause is going to make a strike, this is this is the greatest opportunity that we're going to have. The roads suck. You know, you got these single lane dirt roads that you got this it's summer. So there's shore traffic. Yeah, it's like <laughs> well, you smell your car. Absolutely, <laughs> your car in the water. You know, you're always going to get jammed up at the toll booths. But uh, now, he asked his generals. He asked everybody because uh, they're saying we we like you're explaining. It's time to make a move. You got to do something, even if it's just like a heavy skirmish. What you got to do something. To kind of rally the cause too, so this is half, uh, you know, uh, uh, not necessarily a hill to die on, but you got to do a little flag waving here. So we're going to do that at uh, what becomes known as, uh, depending on who you're talking to, the Battle of Monmouth or the Battle of Freehold, right here. All right, we're in Monmouth County right now, baby. All right, uh, we're literally right next door to the fort where uh, the Rosenbergs were stealing the atom bomb secrets, and uh, <laughs> we're also a couple minutes away from where uh, you know the most important Zeppelin to ever crash in Jersey landed. Unbelievable. In the Hindenburg. And then we're also right here at, again, it, Jersey's known as the crossroads of the revolution because everything comes through here at some point or another. We even had a Tesla laboratory here. Yep. I forgot where. but True. Uh, True. And then uh, Edison right up the road, too. I mean, some wild shit. Back then, their motto was, we don't pump our gas, we pump our water. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you so much. <laughs> um, now, this gets exciting here. Uh so that same General Clinton, by the way, that was mentioned earlier, he gets uh, he's oh, brought back down. You know it. Sweet. So the same guy who was uh, involved with uh, the earlier exploits of Lee in Charleston is now uh, in Jersey. And Washington asks, he goes, uh, he goes, well, what, what do you guys want to do? And he asks one of his generals uh, is one of his generals, by the way, named Matt Anthony Wayne. 
my hometown, uh, named after him. Wayne, New Jersey. Right? Uh, Danny, you want to guess what Mad Anthony Wayne thought about what they should do? <laughs> it's pretty obvious. Fucking fight. That's Wayne. What do you want to do? I want to fight. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Throw so. some beer bottles, <laughs> smash them on the counter, like just yeah, go for bar brawl. He's ready for it. So he's a uh, good old fashioned Jersey bar brawl. <laughs> That's it. That was him, man. And then he also got uh, uh, Colonel Morgan is involved too. He's a sharpshooter, was a rifleman here. Now, I mean, we're not going to go into the full battle. We're not going to go crazy. Well, you do know how it started, right? Go one ahead. side was like it's Taylor Han, the other side was it's poor. <laughs> that's it. It's just like the Jersey debate. It. Well, an important because we are going to mention we're yeah, not going to cover the whole battle. But. Yeah, but Washington had a council of war with all his generals. They knew that the the British were leaving Philadelphia and they had to get across New Jersey. So what are we going to do? We're just going to let them go, or are we going to, you know, we're going to nip at them and harass them the whole time, or we're going to have an out and out battle kind of a thing? Uh, we just can't let them skedaddle across New Jersey without without making some kind of a thing. And you know, there's two different schools of thought. Lee's people wanted to um, avoid a a major battle. Washington also wanted to avoid a major battle, but it certainly wanted to harass them type of a thing. So um, they devised this plan that um, actually it was uh, Lafayette who was going to take Captain some, Testosterone. Yeah, Captain Testosterone. <laughs> He's got the cape with the big, with the big <laughs> oh, T on his chest. <laughs> Lafayette's ready to mess around, man. But uh, he's put in charge of about 5,000 guys. So that's a that's a major engagement for the Revolutionary War, that he's taken 5,000 of the best, uh, like hand-selected um, um, guys to go out there and harass the British as they're um, going across New Jersey. And then once Lee feels, uh, well, wait a minute, if you're sending that many guys, I want to be in charge, not Lafayette. So then Lee decides that, you know, he was given the task and he said, no, no, I don't want to be involved with that. And then they gave it to Lafayette. And then Lafayette, once they realized that they were going to send that many guys into battle or a possible battle, then Lee says, well, wait a minute, <laughs> if there's that many guys involved, I want to be in charge. So and and, and Washington, again, is is you know, it's beside very, himself trying to trying it, to take care of all these different personalities. It's very much a it's very much a dynamic of Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny, it sounds like, with Washington being Bugs, just calm and collected, and Daffy's always just trying to one-up him. Right. Like, I can't help but see it. Like, yeah, he's that, just that, a living Looney Tune. That could be the casting couch here. <laughs> really? Just Daffy. Oh, I'd is, love to see the Charles Looney Tunes Lincoln. version of this. Yeah. Washington that, season. Lee season, Washington season, <laughs> Lee season, right? Lee season, fire! <laughs> no, he's not allowed to have a gun anymore, though. Elmer Fudd is. Uh, oh, the, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. that's another. That's another loser episode. Yes. Go ahead, Kev. All right. So again, we're not going to cover the full battle because I, I want to cover a couple of things in here uh, at a later date for another episode because that's one, an episode worth. It is. And, and also, uh, first of all, uh, Battle Mammoth considered or Battle Freehold, depending on who you're talking to, um, considered a big victory for the American Revolution. Uh, a lot of it also showcased that uh, the French uh, supporters should be you know, coming in uh, and, and against the idea that you can weaken the English stronghold over there. Um, and uh, there's a lot of good stuff going on here. So one thing in particular we just have to mention, and I don't want to give it away, but she might be the topic for another episode. Um, there's a there's a guy who's uh, manning a cannon. Okay, and Dan, do you know this story at all? Did he shoot the cannon the wrong way or something? 
Uh, no, cl- close, but that one's uh, that would actually be fucking hilarious if we're being honest. <laughs> um, but uh, no, what this guy's doing is that he's uh, he's the head of a cannon crew, and all of a sudden uh, he gets cut down, right? So he, he gets wounded, and uh, his wife winds up taking over the cannon and correctly firing the cannon and continuing to fight off the British. And and we honored her for her sacred and and honest to God bravery. Um, and we told her, we said, if you fight for the American Revolution, we will name a rest stop. Molly Pitcher. <laughs> yep. Don't Molly Pitcher. Okay. Yep. And she's flirting with disaster. Um, so anyway, she's like one of the heroes of, uh, of that whole battle here. But the battle is if you talk to historians about it, they're still confused about it to this day because Washington kept changing his generals up all the time. And there's certain people there's parts of this battle that get credited to certain people that did not know they were in command of those people. All right? So when this podcast finally becomes successful, right? You know, we're already kind of what a success. What do you mean finally? Well, we're, <laughs> we're a success right now, but when we finally get something big and it's known as, uh, you know, Daniel Zapsik's American Loser, we're all going to be like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> so, so if they lost that battle, we wouldn't have horse racing or stock car racing on the, on the weekends. Pretty much. It, it's a uh, good old English swap town, meets baby. Or <laughs> no, no swap meet. No, no, <laughs> so, no jersey. No. Now, no jersey. Well, I don't want to skip over the battle because I do want to make sure we get this. So Lee has a cup that they actually say it's the high water mark of his brilliance a couple of times here, but he's not sure what troops he's in command of. Right. And there's other stuff where he's refusing certain orders that then get disobeyed, and then uh, he's disobeying other orders. Wait, what do you mean he's not sure of the troops he's commanding? Uh, well, if you be- sound confused, it's because you're supposed to be. Right, right. <laughs> That's how confusion prevailed. Is. The big winner of this whole thing was confusion because uh, um, he's at a last minute put in charge of uh, a force that. He wasn't going to initially be in charge of a lot of these guys were hand selected from various regiments and now they're all thrown together and they're not knowing one another. They're not even sure who their commanding officer is. Um, Whoever is the commanding officer is not sending information back (laughs) to what's going on that, you know, I I just saw some guys over there that were knowing we're going to take a different route or we're going to change from the original plan. Uh, uh, Everything is happening on the fly here. Confusion prevails all around, and then um, actually, without actually engaging the enemy, um, they start retreating. That oh, it's way too many British guys over there. We're gonna we're gonna back, we're gonna back up or redeploy or whatever whatever you want to uh, describe it as. But it, it appears to Washington because he's coming up with the rest of the army that these guys are, are skedaddling. They're running away again from uh, from the British forces. And he just goes into a rage that, you know, here we are. We finally trained. We went through Valley Forge. We won at Saratoga. We want to make sure that we're showing the French that we're, we're still capable. Mm-hmm. And Washington is coming up here and, and seeing these guys running away. Ent- entire regiments are running away from the from what is supposedly the battlefront. And then comes upon General Lee and depending on who you're talking to, he's in a he's in a state of confusion because he doesn't know what the hell's going on. Yeah, it, it gets very confusing. Um, now, he winds up getting blamed by Washington is on record saying he was very disappointed in Lee that day. Uh, Lee is bitching and moaning nonstop, keeps calling Washington a liar. This is the biggest damned lie I've ever heard. Lee winds up getting court martialed under the following charges. These are exact quotes. 
Um, first, for disobedience of orders in not attacking the enemy on 28th of June, agreeable to repeated instructions. So it's kind of like that thing uh, I talked about. We had my buddy Tim Rich came in here, who's also a Navy guy, and the modern Navy has a thing called a page 13. That's where they teach you something real quickly and then make you sign it, and the page 13 goes in your training jacket. So the thing they teach you once on a you know a, a Sunday morning at four o'clock in the morning after you've been up all night doing uh, you know standard watches on the ship, they say, oh yeah, yeah, we have a signature saying that you know what you're doing here. So don't say that you didn't understand what you were doing because there's a piece of paper saying you knew what you were doing. It's literally signing your own noose. So that's the <laughs> kind of thing that they're hitting here. And then you'll have captain's mass. Am I correct in saying that? Am I learning? Uh, yeah, well, pretty much. Yeah, that would have been captain's mass there. there. So this one is court martial. So that is court martial. A lot of people misunderstand. That doesn't mean you're getting kicked out of the military. But you in trouble. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's not good. Um, so yeah, well, when Washington first comes upon Lee in the in the middle of this battle, um, he berates or is like, "What the fuck, man!" Very <laughs> warm in his response to General Lee's in inactivity or uh, lack of aggression against the enemy forces type of a thing, and then it was Lee who really called for the court martial because. He started publishing shit in the newspapers and everything else about how, you know, Washington berated me. And oh, so he bought this shit upon himself. A, re, 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 it really. sounds like all the paperwork they found 100 years later sounds like Lee was throwing the game, right? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Really? But, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. He knew what he was doing. <laughs> that was fucking good. Right. <laughs> Which is one of the reasons why he was so slow in coming across New Jersey before right. he was I'm captured by the British. He that since then. He's going to let Washington you know, hang himself kind of a thing. Red and then I'll, I'll be named the leader of the Right. Now, let's right. let's not skip over his three full charges, by the way. He was the Pete Rose of, uh, <laughs> of the Revolutionary War. <laughs> Go ahead. His, his second, for misbehavior before the enemy on the same day, making an unnecessary, disorderly, and shameful retreat. Now they're calling him a coward in this thing. Uh, they're saying that he's ignoring instructions and maybe he was not privy to. Thirdly, to disrespect to the commander-in-chief in two letters dated the 1st of July and the 28th of June. Uh, we found some concerning tweets of yours, sir. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's a Facebook uh, I have have those. <laughs> yeah. right. So he winds up going crazy. He, he will not stop talking about this to the point where Baron von Steuben himself says, if you don't shut up about Washington, I'm going to duel you. Now, that duel never comes into fruition. But another guy by the name of Colonel Lawrence, who's one of uh, Washington's staff members, actually takes him up on a duel. And uh, good old good old General Charles Lee is now in a duel because he ran his mouth about Washington. One of Washington's staff members then shoots him in the stomach in the duel. Right. Doesn't kill him. Right. But he's, he's now been wounded because of the fact here. Yeah. Shot in the yeah and that happened yeah. after after the uh, court martial, though. Yes. I mean, so the court martial and they have all these all these revolutionary namesakes coming back and forth, giving testimony. Some sided with Lee, some sided with Washington. And it really came down to a pissing match between Washington and Lee. And the uh, court-martial finds for Washington that Lee was you know, guilty as charged on all three counts. Um, then Lee doesn't accept that and then goes crying to the Continental Congress that you guys got to make this right. Mm -hmm. And then they vote on the outcome of the court martial. And they also side, well, who are we going to go with? We're going to go with Washington. We're going to go with Lee. And again, it became a whole political back and forth type of a thing. But the Continental Congress sides also with Washington, finds in his behalf. And You're not going to go against Washington when no. he's finally started. Von Steuben was yeah. on his side, right? I oh, love yes. that. Yeah. Yeah. Von, von Steuben. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to my house for some wine and from sponge and cake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, 
it, it, Lee still continues to run his mouth to whoever would listen to him and into the newspapers about how he was wronged and besmirched and everything else. And uh, that's when um, some of uh, Washington's aides um, challenged him to the duel. And that's when he got mm-hmm. shot in the shot in the stomach. Now, it, when it, did he get shot in the fingers? Didn't you say that? That was that was way back wow. when in in, uh, in Poland. When uh, so they challenged an eight finger dude to another duel. <laughs> right. He, he, hold, on, hold on! Hold on! Hold <laughs> on! <laughs> uh, I knew I'd need my thumb. Yeah. <laughs> As we said, the, the Jersey tie-in for that one obviously is the Battle of, uh, of of Monmouth, and then Fort Lee being named after Charles Lee. So, uh, but the last thing we got to say here as we're wrapping up, this is I promise, Daniel. I promise you're almost free, brother. All right. Um, <laughs> We got uh, Fort. Uh, so in 1780, he winds up writing one final letter, and it, I'm not. It probably wouldn't have been his last letter, but he wrote such a. Uh, I, they they use the term poorly received letter. Is this like someone posting on Facebook? I'm deleting my Facebook account, you guys. You guys sort have been of. so mean to me. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> well, what it winds up being is that in 1780, he writes one more letter to Congress, uh, you know, explaining, like you were saying, Dad, make this shit right. What are you guys doing here? Vague Washington's, booking. yeah, like just, just totally going after them. And uh, the letter is so poorly received that Congress goes, all right, so uh, we're just going to go ahead and terminate this guy's military career, right? And they cut him. He was done. That was it. That was it. Wrote one shitty letter. Well, I mean, one last shitty letter. She said and your they, mother was a hamster yeah. and your father smelled of endomerics. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, Before okay. that, he was yeah, vague booking, right? It's like, <laughs> at Congress, prayers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. What's going on? Somebody give me a pigeon. Somebody give me a pigeon. He's at Congress. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, because at the, at the uh, court martial, though, he was only uh, relieved of command for a year. But, you know, he, but he was, kept digging he his was, own grave. Yeah, yeah, he kept he kept at it and kept at it. And again, that was all part of his uh, personality. Sometimes if you, you got to keep this. your mouth shut. Right, you keep know. your mouth shut, and would have you know would have served a year until still going on to fight another day. How ironic is it? How much it it resonates today? Stop writing shit. Shut up. Right. Put your quill down. <laughs> you know? I mean, that was cancel culture back then, right. you know? A lot of people don't even want to think up. about that. And George right. Washington, from the beginning of this podcast, you've been telling me he, the first thing he said was he was a quiet kind of dude. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, he he prevailed because, because at, of his silence and his strength, you know? Look Speak at Daniel. softly, carry a big stick. Look right? at Daniel. Daniel's going to be running this entire studio shortly. Yeah. Maybe maybe ten words total podcast. I bet you didn't know he cut down the cherry tree to make his own teeth. Did you? All right. Anything to wrap up with on that note? Because we are going to kill him. Don't worry. He's he's about to die. Uh, We have to. So we have to kill the guy. But did you have anything else? Because you did a lot of research on this guy. No, that's that's you know we can go on for another hour. But uh, another Sunquist approved episode. So far, so good. Actually, we're we're pretty clean on this one. We've been getting filthy lately. Accidentally. Oh, all right. Yeah. Um, if you noticed, uh, I was quite the uh, Brian Regan of this show. No, uh, which I, I always commend you for that, too. By the way, if you do uh, get a chance, guys, you want to check out uh, when comedy starts to come back as it's starting to in the New Jersey area. McDonald and Carney is a very fun improv troupe I've worked with a bunch of times. Thank you. Um, they it, it's I mean, it, eventually Me Too is going to shut you guys down for that moving people game you do at the end. But it is what it is. <laughs> now we're too old. Now nobody's allowed to touch us. We're done with that one. And when you uh, and when you guys drive around uh, New Jersey and you look out at uh, what was uh, formerly the Xanadu, right? Correct. Uh, what is it called? Now it's the, the American Dream. The American Dream. American Dream, baby. We are yeah. talking to one of the Joe, lead no. plumbers on that job. Not lead plumbers. Joe yeah. built that. 
Joe built yeah, the American. Had a couple tram. guys helping him, but Joe yeah, built that. They were there. They didn't. They weren't there as often as I was. You but. looked into the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> I did. I have been inside there. I've been in the stores. I've been in the pool. <laughs> I was in the pool. And your face hasn't melted. You're okay. Mm-hmm. I got some oh. weird blotches, but I'm okay. <laughs> we're, we're, if you want people to find, we do have listeners that will check you yes. out. So where do you want them to check you uh, out on social and, media? Uh, on Twitter and on uh, Instagram, I am Dumb Kid Joe. Brave to still Thank have Twitter. Thank you. On Facebook, I am Joe Carney. That is J-O-E-C-A-R-N-E-Y. Joe same, Carney. Same spelling as my illustrious ship. Of, uh, of It's so ironic that we were friends that he was on the USS Carney and he used to tell me things he did inside that ship just to make me blush. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Carney. <laughs> Carney, we were destined, right? Would that it be, had to happen. Would that be Seamanberg or uh, Seamanberg. third yes. class <laughs> petty officer? <laughs> Trust me, from the stories, it was Seamanberg. <laughs> <laughs> he offered me the hat. I threw it away. <laughs> We're approaching that mark with the Sunquist family. Um, I will say this. I, I'll, I'll say one quick Joe Carney story while we're here on air, and then we'll get out of here. Um, you can make it long. We got time. Joe took a uh, uh, Joe took myself and a couple other comics up to a hotel in Vermont to do a gig at, and uh, it was very fun. It was the car ride up is as much fun as the gig sometimes. Right. And then we performed a uh, cool place. We hung out in the pool, drinking beer all day. Yep. Then we, we just stayed just sober enough to be able to, to, to do the show that night. And then after the show, we're hanging out and having drinks and everything. And one by one, everybody starts disappearing. Right. <laughs> and Joe Carney goes to me, he goes, he goes, uh, KP, I'll be right back. All right, don't worry. I just got to grab something from my parents' room. I'll be right back. And left me in the bar of this, this, uh, this haunted bar. It, I was just sitting there like Nicholson in The Shining, you know. Just By yourself? There. Yeah, white man's burden. It's so like, oh my, what's happening? I'm hearing stuff. I start getting creeped out. And I wind up like almost running back to my room. And the next day, uh, I was just like, Joe, were you coming back? He goes, oh, uh, just played it off perfectly, man. My, my mom started asking me questions and the air condition was on. I, I was lulled to sleep. I'm sorry. I wasn't going back to no haunted bar. <laughs> but, uh, but nothing but fun memories. I like the way always, you think, man. Always. I'm always. very happy you finally got to come on to the show here. And uh, based so off much. this performance, I think you're coming back. Very got thankful. a casting couch show, for you. Man. We do have a casting awesome. couch to wrap up with. I, I'm not got, falling for that again. We got to kill him. <laughs> yeah, we, we got to kill him. He, he Charles Lee. Need, need meet his demise for sure. 1780, right? He gets uh, his the end of his military career. He is now, uh, he gets a farm. Right. And some land. And he's breeding horses and dogs. So this guy's watching a lot of weird shit on the Internet. He still likes dogs. Yep. Uh, winds up dying of a fever within two years. Leaves uh, his property and his estate, if you will, to his sister, who then never marries. Right. Um, so at 1782, there he is, a guy who was instrumental in the American Revolution and is typically remembered either a as a villain uh, possibly uh, a, a treasonous general as well, or uh, a coward, depending on which historian is reporting on him. All of Washington's own biographers are the ones that kind of damn him to hell. So, any uh, on your way out notes here, LP? No, that was pretty much it. I mean, he, he could really be painted a bigger traitor than Benedict Arnold, but uh, a lot of that stuff didn't really come to light until much later. So, I think he got the worst punishment of just. I don't know who the fuck he is. Right. Like, I mean, yeah. like he's really... Dies in obscurity. Yeah, he's... So it's not too far-fetched to say he ate a dog and died of a fever. Uh, Everything keeps coming back around. 
right? <laughs> God damn it, Chuck. <laughs> what, what do we say? Kona, take him off the list. All right. Um, <laughs> Kona, what do you got for a casting couch in the movie of Charles Lee? Okay. Only because the result first came up when I was searching the name. This is how obscure this dude is. When I went to type in his name on Google, the first thing that popped up wasn't Charles Lee General. It was Charles Lee Ray from Child's Play. So I was like, wait a minute. Brad Dourif. Brad Dourif is an amazing Whoa. character actor, but he's got that like he's got that sense of being able to play something very seriously. If you've ever seen him in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, yeah, but he can flip the script in a minute. He and was he, the doctor in Deadwood. He also was in an episode of X Files that was as one of the most chilling performances I've ever seen him give. And then option two, just because I think it would be hilarious, because he also does unraveling Madman pretty well, uh, Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I could see Nicolas Cage playing this dude pretty well. <laughs> now I can't steal a declaration. Of <laughs> but Peggy Sue, they said I was a hero. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. uh, Daniel, did we teach you anything today on accident? Yeah. All right. You going to remember any of it? No. 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 <laughs> did Kahuna teach you anything about the ones and twos? Yeah. Good, man. It's, Are you uh, going to remember any of it? Uh, hopefully <laughs> when you're in your history class uh, next year you can jump up and say wait well, that's bullshit I know the real story that a battle of mammoth and uh, all we ask is that if you do tell your teachers that this is bullshit you say that they can find more information on SoundCloud and iTunes uh, check us out over there guys you want to leave us a written review on iTunes feel free to do that Patreon American Loser Podcast five dollars five dollars gets you an entire bonus episode for the price of one large cup of coffee from Dunkin Donuts uh, we'll give you guys uh, bonus content on those episodes we can go ahead and dive a little bit further in this month's episode guys is going to be about mccarthyism there is a documentary coming out on hbo right now where they're going to talk about a guy named roy Cohn. okay we've already covered him he was in the rosenbergs episode we're going to dive more into him because he's a back player he's a background player which back player makes him sound a little bit worse and yeah. the more you learn about him, family feud huh Host of the family. <laughs> oh, God, come on. Close. Um, uh, he is a family feuder of sorts. But uh, we're going to talk about McCarthyism, which is very topical uh, these days, too, guys. Uh, so George McCarthy, obviously, is going to be the guy there. That's the topic for Patreon. We're plugging that one. That's going to be available at the end of the month here. You still have one more free episode, all right? Every Tuesday, we're giving you a free episode at the end of every month. For just five bucks, you get the bonus episode on Patreon. Check us out, guys. The American Loser Facebook page is up and running. The American Loser Instagram page is up and running. You want to check my own bullshit out, go ahead, feel free to message me. I got a lot of really good messages about the show. Shout out to, uh, uh, there's a couple of uh, AP history students down in Florida, I think, that uh, their senior year got canceled and they were talking about how much they loved uh, their AP history class. And I think they're all going to be history majors. And they reached out to me to say that now like a bunch of their you know, fellow classmates are listening to the show because we're having the same kind of fun conversations they used to have in their class. But we oh, get to say motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. So that part's cool there. Finally, you're big in Florida, KP. Yeah, finally, right? It's a, I was big in Florida once too, but that's why she left me. Um, so that being said, guys, um, check us out on those things. You want to hit me up it's at KP Burke Sucks on Instagram. Instagram, KP Burke over on Facebook. I don't have Twitter anymore because I'm trying to not get canceled, guys. I love doing this show. It's important to me. Um, thank you to my father for uh, all your research here. Thank you to Joe Carney for coming in. Dan Zapsik, you. you're welcome back anytime, brother. I hope all you right. know that. All right. Kahuna, you're fired. Okay. okay. Guys, that was General <laughs> Charles Lee, American Loser. An American Loser the day I was born. An American Loser the day I was born. American loser the day I was born.